Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. Hollywood cold, I'm with Molly G, bro, flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I want to tell you something that you probably should know, this that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flow, and uh, my real friends never hear it from me, fake friends write the wrong answers. And good afternoon, everybody, a new tune and a new show coming to you live from the studio, that's right, the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios right here in Somerville, South Carolina, I'm Rich Yop alongside the coach Eugene Benton, and we've got Three solid hours and a ton of guests to join us here throughout the show. I'm glad to be back in the studio. I was on the road on Sunday, and Eugene did a phenomenal job producing it, putting it together, hitting buttons. I mean, it was air traffic control at its best, and I thought he did a great job. Without further time, I'll bring in the coach. Uh, Eugene, what's up, big guy? I know you're down there for the final opportunity because you're going to come up here on Thursday to the studios. We're going to go back to regular schedules and, and, and get you back in here with me. I feel like we're quarantined enough. Uh, of course, you got to bring food with you. I see you cooking down there at Park Circle, so you got to bring some of that stuff with you, Coach. <laughs> yeah, gladly, man. I'll definitely bring some food. You know, I, I recall hooking you up with uh, some food before, but uh, we'll definitely have some food in the studio. Looking forward to get back, uh, getting back to the studio and, uh, you know, making that drive. You know, one thing I, I love about the drive is uh, going down, you know, 17 and you get through downtown and, and making that 90-degree uh, turn, and you just feel like uh, – just old Somerville, you know, you're driving past McKissick Field there on the left, heading towards your, the uh, the studio, and just, man, you know, it just brings back a lot of memories for me uh, from many, many years ago. But uh, it's a beautiful day. It's a light breeze, sun, sun shining, birds chirping, dogs taking a nap. But, uh, yeah, man, hooked it up good tonight. Got some uh, seared tuna steaks and uh, got the chomping on those right before, uh, right before we hit the buttons and came on. But uh, looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to getting Reggie in here and uh, talking some uh, sports. You know, if there's anything going on in the world of sports, especially, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, but especially that Charlotte area. My man's got his ear uh, ear to the ground and ears and everything. So, you know, that'll be exciting getting him in here and uh, talking some sports. I know we focus a lot on the high schools, but, um, you know, this is a chance to, to do that as well, but also, you know, hit up some of, our, some of our other sports of interest for some of our fans out there listening in. Well, we do do the high school, but we also do the college front here in Southern Sports Central. You talk about food, so there's a menu there. The menu here at Southern Sports Central is we, we are main entrees on the high school and the college front. We give you a side dish of, of the NFL. If it's there, we're going to talk about it. Of course, uh, we'll, we'll get into some Major League Baseball a little bit. You know, there's always something to talk about in, in the world of sports. Uh, as tonight, no different, right? So, like you mentioned, Reginald Walker Jr. going to join us live at 630. He will do that from here on out on Tuesday nights, that's his slot. That's his time. He's now part of the Southern Sports Central family, and uh, he'll be jumping in here with us at 630 to talk to us about anything and everything that's happening. Of course, uh, the, the passing of Don Shula is hitting home to everybody who is a Miami Dolphins fan and, of course, the undefeated season. But what he meant for the game, not just on the field but off the field, down in Miami, the, 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 the restaurants that he had down there. I actually had a chance to eat at one of those restaurants. 
uh, back in the day when Hurricane Andrew went through there, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, to, to go down. I say fortunate because I, I got to see firsthand of what FEMA does because my father, of course, has worked for the FEMA uh, company or the organization, whatever, for so many years as we were growing up. Uh, I took three weeks, three, maybe a month, and went down there on a school project and, and got to videotape some things and make different reports. I actually got to go to a Miami Dolphins game, and that's back when the Patriots had the old school helmet with a three-point stamp Patriot. That was cool. Uh, and, of course, I uh, got to see a lot of uh, really neat, neat things uh, in, in my time down there in, uh, in that side of the world. Now, that being said, uh, you know, the famous coach you mentioned, Coach McKissick, actually was given an award by uh, that legendary coach. And there's a picture that Coach Collis posted. And, of course, we've seen it in the Somerville uh, era up here. Uh, but it is something that we'll, we'll kind of retweet it out. We'll put it out there. But we'll talk a little bit about what he meant to the game and, and how he – of course, uh, will be dearly missed in the NFL and how he'll be missed around the world of sports. Uh, we have a loaded show. Eugene did a great job uh, putting together a, a list because I kind of give him some homework, and the guy does his work. I got to give him love. I give him a hard time off the air. Don't don't let me fool you. I'm, I'm busting his chops on a regular basis. But on the air, I'm going to tell you, the guy does a great job. And he's got, of course, uh, Mark Myers. He's the athletic director over there in the tank with Oceanside. Uh, he's going to be stepping up uh, with us at 7 o'clock and then – we're bringing some strength and conditioning. That's right. We're getting ready to get you stronger, faster, better mentally, physically. And uh, he might even drive some financial stuff with us. We don't know. But Evan Gates is going to join us at 730. Coach Gates gets in here. And how about Jalen Hill comes back in officially at 8 o'clock. He is the assistant uh, to Coach Call. And uh, that's exciting news there. But he's also uh, the JV head coach over there at Oceanside. So we're going to have a very Oceanside-heavy show for about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And then at 830, we go back to – focusing on the class of 2020 for that spotlight. And we're always going to bring in at least one, but this time it's going to be two. We're going back to the soccer field at Somerville. These girls are reaching out. We're giving them the opportunity. And without further ado, Hannah Vick McVicker will join us and Caroline Brown will join us at 830. The girls, of course, uh, will tell us what they're doing in their next chapter and how it meant to them to play for uh, Coach Baggett and, and of course, uh, prepare for what seems to be a very exciting season uh, for the green wave on the soccer field for the ladies. I tell you what, they started working out, Eugene, early in August. They might have started doing it late in July. I don't know, but I know when the school started, they were in there day in and day out, and uh, they, without doubt, were going to be the most in-shape soccer team, girls, men, didn't matter, in the low country. So we were excited to watch them do some big things this year. Uh, I was looking forward to, of course, seeing how far they were going to get. You know, of course, uh, you know, the girls over there at Somerville really – we're putting it together. Let me put this out there, Eugene. How cool would it be? And I know that the – I want to say, uh, what is it, the NCAA has uh, that trophy that they keep up with different schools, and, and if you get so many points by winning, you know, uh, the baseball and the softball and all that. But wouldn't it be cool if the, within the schools they did that guys versus girls? And, and you get so many points depending how far you finish in the region and if you win this or win that. And at the end of the year, Either the girls get the trophy or the guys get the trophy, and it's kind of a big deal and, and, and a little bit competitive within the, uh, within the hallway. So wouldn't that be kind of a neat idea? Yeah, that's a great idea. And I was just trying to remember the name of that trophy, but it's given, it's given out to the, like, the top overall athletic program in the country. And right. you know, I think year after year Stanford wins it, and I just can't remember the name of that trophy. Um, they do have one similar for South Carolina High School League, uh, and I know Wando's won it several times. Um, but, yeah, if you had just one for girls versus guys, you know, that would be pretty interesting. Obviously, you'd have to take football out, um, you know, because I think that's probably the only sport that there's not, you know, both sexes competing. Well, I, but, um, 
Yeah. I don't know if I would take football out. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I would take football eight. out. And I'm trying to think because, well, girls have volleyball. Guys don't have volleyball. Yeah. So, well, so there, that's, there that's, is a sport. that's coming. There are high school teams now competing in guys' volleyball, but I take your but point. It's been, you but know, it's, maybe that's the balance. Right, maybe right. that, that, yeah. Uh, girls have equestrian, too. I haven't seen any guy, have I haven't seen a guy's equestrian team. So it's it's there. It, it's definitely there. And I get you say it's coming. I know I think it was just denied actually in, in the high school uh, meeting. That was one of the many things that they, for whatever reason, thought they would throw that up when they were deciding to cancel the spring sports, even though we were all waiting for that answer. And but it is what it is, uh, you know. So yeah, I, I see, you know, what you kind of were looking at. But I do. I, I think there's enough girl sports that they don't have a guy doing some things. Because cheerleading, cheerleading is a sport. It's competitive, and it's sanctioned by the high school league. They get trophies. They get ranked, right? They have competitions. They don't have guys. So I'm just putting it out there. There is that opportunity, and I guess there are some guys on those teams. But, you know, maybe that makes it a little different. I don't know. That's a good debate question, a good opportunity. But we do need to go to break because we got to stay on track today. It's going to be a great show, man. What a loaded show. Uh, we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what this coach – meant, and that's Don Shula. What did he mean? His family has meant. Of course, his son was a coach at the University of Alabama. Didn't have the great run that his dad did at Miami by no means, but that name is is, is a very, uh, I would say, first-class, top-notch. When you talk of a coach, he's one of those guys that you think of. Now, I did spend some time over the weekend at Bethune-Cookman on Sunday. It was a, uh, man, what a trip it was, and maybe some uh, some great News coming out of Daytona Beach with some partnership and some opportunities down there with their athletes and their coaches. But uh, a young lady very close to me got an acceptance letter. We talk about the class of 2020, and uh, this young lady is a is a dancer down here at one of our schools at Berg High School. And, uh, you know, with the dance line team, is uh, she's going to try. She's going to make that team down there at Bethune-Cookman. And uh, as she's on campus on Sunday, uh, she uh, checks her email, literally standing on campus, and has the acceptance letter in her email. How crazy, how cool is that? And for anybody else, uh, again, there's so many different sports out there because that's a sport. That band thing is a real thing, and trust and believe me, you ever heard Burke band? You ever heard Wilson's band up there? There's a couple other high schools around the state and around the country that would definitely love to hear around the, uh, of course, uh, the airways. But I want to congratulate her individually because I know how hard she's worked. I know how hard a lot of you guys and girls have worked, but to get that moment, to get that letter, to get that email, man, it's got to be the most incredible thing. I remember it just was so long ago, Eugene, that you and I were in college, man. But uh, to see it firsthand was was an amazing thing. And uh, we're going to show some love to all of uh, those individuals, but specifically to this young lady who, again, she's uh, worked hard to get there, and a lot of you guys have. But this is the Thune Cookman's band. This is their uh, how they get down on a Saturday night, guys.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Ellen alongside Eugene Bitten here. And that, of course, uh, giving some love down to the HBCUs of uh, college football and just sports in general. Uh, you know, we had on South Carolina State's offensive coordinator joined us uh, just a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he talked about the difference between being at a college over here and being at a college over there and what being on the campus of an HBCU and how they, they wrap their arms around you. And, and, Eugene, you remember that conversation, of course, with their offensive coordinator over there at South Carolina State joined us and, and just how, how, how much he was shocked by just the, that, that difference that it makes being on the campus like that. Because they don't just love you when you're there. They love on you way after you're gone. And, and we've heard that. And uh, some of the conversations I've had for, for the last eight months with some of the Bethune-Cookman athletes and uh, the coaches that are looking to be a part of what we're going to do here in 2020 – um, and now to know that there's a young lady who, again, I, I had the opportunity to be around this young lady, uh, you know, in her junior and senior year and, and sophomore year uh, and watching, you know, her, her struggle, but watching her not give up, not quit, not, not tell, you know, anybody, look, I can't do it. She made it happen. And you know this firsthand because, you know, Eugene, you were part of Gerald Shepard, of course. He's at Notre Dame, right? And he had his ups and downs and all arounds from Saka Sea to Oceanside and now he's playing college football. He's doing a great job. He's representing so many individuals, not only himself, but, but you remember that day. And, and it means something, guys, when you're a part of an athlete or a student or any source, that they go get that mail, and there it is. Or for the first time ever, to, to, get that te- to get that email. Man, it was amazing to see the expression on somebody's face. And, and it almost is, as a person who got to play a major role in, in, in her life, you know, it was, it was an important thing. And, and I can only say this to moms and dads and, and stepdads and stepmoms or anybody who, who steps up in somebody's life, let me tell you something. Thank you. I'm going to personally right now thank you for, for, for doing everything you did because there may be days that you didn't feel like maybe, maybe it wasn't there. Maybe you felt some different kind of way. But trust me, they appreciate you. They do. They appreciate you. And, and here at Southern Sports Central, we do the same. And, and I want to say – on behalf of all of us, to all of you stepdads and stepmoms and, and father figures and mother figures and mentors, okay, keep doing what you're doing because you make a difference. You know, Eugene, I think you can kind of echo a lot of that as well because, you know, you've played multiple roles, but uh, the two boys that are close to my heart and, and, and Ronald, of course, and, uh, and his brother, you know, uh, Gerald, and watching both of those boys grow up to be grown men and you watch these little people grow up to be big people, man. You just know it. You know, some of these people may not be – they're not high school students because they're made for college. We just got to get them through that high school stage and get them into college. You know what I mean, Eugene? Yeah, you know, and, and I remember going through that. And, uh, actually, you know, one of the first uh, changes that had to be that I was involved with through the recruiting process and getting offers and, and signing day and stuff like that was actually Reggie Stuckey in 2003 coming out of First Baptist sign with Newberry. Um, and, you know, it was just such a great achievement. But, you know, and then I remember, like, you brought up Gerald was, you know, for the first, you know, he led the state in receiving yards. And it was by a wide sure. margin all year. You know, and you would get to week four, week five, week six, and he was still in the top ten in yards in the country. And there was, like, no one's calling, no one's texting, no phones are ringing. You know, it's like, what else do you need to see? He had the size. You know, when he went to Charleston Southern, he hit a four five. So he had this speed, you know, good enough at the high school level and definitely, you know, college level. I mean, there are some receivers in the NFL running 4-6. But, you know, Charleston Southern and clocked him at 4-5. So it's like, what else do you need to do to get an offer? 
But then, like I said, you know, once they came in, once you get that first, then they started to roll. But, you know, it was just such a such a tough process, you know. And when you're a part of a kid, you, you see that expression on their face or that look, like, you know, it's kind of a sense of, wow, somebody finally believes in me. You know, you kind of see that in their eyes, that they finally feel like someone believes in them. And so it, it's such a cool thing to be a part of and, and to, uh, you know, and, and, you know, when it's one of your own kids, it's even more special. You know, it's that kind of you sure. you celebrate with them, you're happy for them. And, you know, while you're, you know, right. knowing that they're going on to somewhere else. But, you know, it's, it's just it's an awesome experience. You know, and the cool part is I get to do this on the air. And, and I can tell you, you know, like you said, we've watched we watched so many of our athletes come through and do great things and, uh but it's just different, man. When it's, in, when it's in somebody you've spent time with in a house that you, you know, you, you've kind of taken a role on and, and, and you've seen them struggle. You've seen the frustrations on their faces and you've seen, you know, them just wanting to stop, but just they don't stop and they just keep going. And, and, and to see that other side, to see that happen, you know, it was an amazing thing. And I want to personally congratulate uh, Zana Gomez, who, who is the young lady I'm talking about, and give her some love here on the show because, uh, you know, I look at her like a daughter of, of my own. And she's given me a lot of firsts. You know, I got to see her go to prom with uh, a young man that, that I call him a son as well. And, and, and so that was kind of neat as well. I got a lot of experiences there. But to see her just really, I mean, to watch her face on campus at Bethune-Cookman, it was just like, wow, it was all God. It was all God. And, and, and you got to give power to the man above. And, and for you girls that dance on you know, dance teams, on dance lines in the band, I'm, I'm telling you, cheerleaders are athletes. Well, doggone it, so are you. And, and this young lady – is going to, and I'm going to speak it out. So if you know anything about Bethune Cookman, they are the best band in the land, and, and they do it right. You heard that kind of music. Uh, you don't hear that at South Carolina. You don't hear that at Alabama. You don't hear that at Florida State. You don't hear it at Florida, Clemson. Nope, don't have it. You go to an HBCU, man. The band is just as good as the football team, and you don't go anywhere at halftime. Matter of fact, you might get up 20 minutes before, or five minutes before halftime to use the bathroom and get some popcorn because the show is about to begin. And uh, and I wish her the best of luck. Uh, it's actually called the uh, 14 Carat. Uh, dancers down there, and um, it's it's a hard thing to get a part of, man. But I, I tell you what, uh, you battle of the bands in Atlanta. We're going this year, Eugene. Uh, Darnisha's already expecting us there. She's a part of the family here at Southern Sports Central. Of course, uh, she co-hosted with us uh, here on the show for a couple of years. Her son Bryson Allen Williams played at South Carolina, and uh, you know, but uh, she's expecting us to be there for that, and that's going to be a big thing. But uh, like I said, I just uh, I, I get a chance to brag a little bit on, on one of my own here, and, uh, and it's an honor to do that. But uh, I could never imagine the feeling of of just uh, I mean, it was like holding back tears, man. Even talking about it, you know. Uh, so so that's what we do here in Southern Sports Central. Yeah, there's there's some other conversations, and we're going to get into them here now. But I just wanted to individually right now have a platform, have an opportunity to say congratulations to her. But congratulations to everybody who got that letter this weekend, who got that letter today, who walked out to that mailbox going, man, dang it, it's the 5th of May. I don't, I don't know. If I don't get into this college, I guess I'll go up to wherever and get a job. And you open that mailbox, and it says you're a tiger, you're a wildcat, or you're a gamecock, or whatever you want to be, it says that's what you're going to be. What an accomplishment. We say congratulations. For those who, who are still waiting, keep praying. Stay positive. All right, stay positive. All right, you got this. Uh, and, and some other news, unfortunate news uh, over the weekend, kind of fitting uh, to stay in, in, in the state of Florida. So we'll head down to Miami for this conversation. Uh, big time, legendary Miami Dolphins coach Don Shula will always be remembered, of course, here on Southern Sports Central as a uh, perfect coach. 
not just for the achievements of, you know, his undefeated season, but because he came along at the right time and made a professional sport matter down there in South Beach. You know, the NFL's most winningest coach passed away Monday morning in his home. Um, he was 90 years old. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, when they talked about Coach McKissick getting his award, John Tuller was there to be a part of that. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of look at that and, and, and think to yourself, wow, those are two legendary coaches doing legendary things. Now, the team did release a statement saying that Don Schuler was um, a part of Miami Dolphins for 50 years. Um, he brought the winning edge to our franchise and put the Dolphins and the city of Miami in the national sports scene. Our deepest thoughts and prayers go out to Mary Ann along with his children, Dave, Donna, Sharon, and Ann and Mike. Schuler took the Dolphins from a non-script expansion team you know, to back-to-back Super Bowls uh, championships within four seasons. He's the best known for leading them to a perfect season back there in 1972, going 17-0 to become the only team in the NFL. Hard to believe. The NFL's been around a long time, Eugene, but he's had the only undefeated season and uh, to compete under a run to the championship. Now, they won the Super Bowl again the following season, but they did go 15-2. and two. But, man, what a huge hit. They're losing a ton of iconic figures in major sports. And, uh, again, tomorrow is never promised. A guy told me one time, a, a man that's very close to me, who's a father figure to me, said that uh, what um, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. What are you going to do with the gift that God gives you? Eugene, kind of talk a little bit about uh, this legendary coach that everybody – I don't think anybody disliked the guy. He was just one of those likable dudes that smiled and just made you want to watch some football. Yeah, and you brought up that picture earlier. Uh, I did. We did share it and post it out there on Southern Sports Central of uh, the two football legends, the winningest coaches of all time at the high school and the uh, NFL level, and that's Coach McKissick and Coach Shula. Um, you know, it's uh, he's just a guy, you, if you've always seen look back at the videos, you see some coaches cussing and throwing things. You know, you kind of see him with this, you know, kind of grabbing his chin with a hum look and, and a lot of smiles, you know. Like you said, he won a ton of game. Uh, you know, the, the Dolphins that uh, went undefeated, you know, and that was almost broken or, or tied by the Patriots. And, you know, I was kind of rooting against the Patriots in that game for good reason. But, um, you know, that's so far that's just a record that's, you know, there are many sports records that have been broken, passing yards, touchdowns, home runs, you know, things that people never thought would be broken. Um, right. But even the 85 Bears, which some people had said was the greatest team of all time, even they didn't go undefeated. And so it was just such a great thing to see. And, um, you know, I had the, the pleasure of working with a former Dolphin down in the Caribbean uh, who uh, played for him and then for uh, a little bit under uh, Jimmy Johnson. You know, and he lives in the Miami area and Los Olas and things like that. And, you know, I was just talking about how, you know, Jimmy was similar uh, he wasn't a guy necessarily that would scream and cuss at you. He just you just liked him and you wanted to play for him. Um, because I was joking with him about being a Cowboys fan and with uh, with Jimmy, but um, you know, and he just said, you know, both guys were just they were just they came to work every day, had a smile on their face, they were ready to put in the work, and uh, you knew what was expected of you. They loved you like a father, so you wanted to play for him like that, and uh, that was really cool hearing from uh, from JT that. But um, you know, it's just. You know, like you said, we're getting to the point where some of these guys are, you know, that we grew up, you know, we're now in our 40s. So they were in their, think about it, they were in their 50s when we were young kids. So now they're getting up to the 80s, stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's that's the circle of life. But, uh, you know, we can appreciate 
you know, the value that they've gave given to, you know, their sport or, or the athletes that played for them, you know, the cities that they represented. And, uh, you know, even thanks for, you know, the, the highlights that we had as kids, you know. I mean, I, I can't remember how many times I was like Emmett Smith in the backyard, you know, from 1989 <laughs> Emmett Smith, you know, from sixth grade for us. Right. But, uh, you know, and so, you know, that's kind of the way it is, man. Unfortunately, you know, that is the circle of life, and we all head home at some point. And, uh, you know, just what a legacy he left. And, you know, I'm looking at that picture on our page. It's just Coach McKissick, you know, and Coach Shula. And it's just, you know, between them, you know, all the victories and all the years and all the athletes that just, you know, came and gone. But those two guys were just mainstays for so long in a sport that's become, you know, almost very cutthroat. You have very short leash when it, as a head coach when it comes to winning. You know, if you don't win big in a couple right. of years, they move on. And these guys were, you know, in, in their spots for decades. You know, just things that you don't really see that much of anymore. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, guys like Dan Marino, of course, uh, you know, when he joined the Dolphins, uh, you know, it, it was something that, you know, Shula had banned in his old school emphasis on the run, uh, and run and pass happy type of deal, quarterback vision that you see, of course, and in, in, in the let it fly type of thing that he had over there with, uh, you know, with Dan Marino. But, you know, you, you look back at some of the days with, with, with uh, Coach Shuley. You know, he got his early start in coaching after, what, playing six seasons as a defensive back. A lot of people may have not know this. Uh, with the Browns, the Colts, and the Redskins. You know, he was 33 when the Colts owner, you know, hired him in 1963. He was the youngest head coach in the modern era of the NFL until his son, David Shuley, took the reins of the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was back in 91. He was a age 32. So our thoughts and prayers with the family, uh, with the Shula family and, and their extended family, with the entire Miami Dolphins family, uh, the community. Trust me, the community mourns this because he was a huge impact on South Beach. He had his own restaurant down there. Uh, he did great things even after his days of coaching. So, uh, you, you know, you, you want to take a moment, and uh, we're going to give him a moment of silence to recognize such a legendary coach that meant so many things, and he did it the right way, right? I mean, never you never heard anything uh, with him doing it the wrong way. So we'll take a quick moment of silence. We'll come back, and uh, we'll, we'll be joined, of course, by uh, our big man from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, the newest member officially of Southern Sports Central. We're going to join us here next, and we'll get caught up with some of the college football conversation. We'll talk some other stuff with him as well. And uh, who better else to do that with than Reginald Walker, Jr., played for Joe Pye, another famous coach who's left us. Uh, and headed to, to the big house, and that's up in the big sky above. So we'll do that. We'll come back. We'll talk some more. And you're listening to Southern Sports Central. Quick moment of silence, guys. You're such a sight to see. You're the girl for me. You set my soul apart, filling my heart with one desire, wanting to be with you. You could make a blind man see. You could make a crippled man walks. You could make the quietest man in the world talk. Nobody else will do. Every little boy in town 
Surfboard today uh, brought to me actually over the weekend, uh, Eugene. So that's going to give us something to do during the uh, during the all, during the downtime. Get back out there on the beach and uh, do some social distancing out in the water. Wait my turn, and uh, it's been a minute since I've been on one, so it may be entertaining. You might want to be on the beach filming this stuff, bro, because it, it's going to be <laughs> it could be a YouTube sensation. A lot of hits going there, and not in a good way for me, but a great way for you to make some money on the side. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting out there to, to Folly Beach, man, get back to the edge of America a little bit, social distance myself uh, away from the world. Uh, but I grew up, my father, surfing, and, uh, of course, uh, you know, he played sports as well, but he was a drummer in a band, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of neat. I always remember my dad banging on the drums and doing his thing, but always did I ever remember riding down the road. It didn't matter what town we were in. It was like they were in sync together. We always heard the same songs. It's like they didn't skip a beat. And Wolfman Jack would be the uh, the DJ on the radio, man. He was one of those old classic voices that you always would hear. Uh, but, you know, my father came at me a little different. You know, he was a sports guy, but he was more of a surfer music kind of guy. So that was kind of neat uh, to have that in my background and in my, uh, I'd say, resume. So uh, let's get in here right now with the big man on campus. We head over to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, when Reginald joins us. Reginald Walker, former player with Joe Pye in the, of course, uh, Nittany Lions and uh, all that good stuff. Now he does a lot of stuff. I mean, we could name up, but quite frankly, I mean, what doesn't he do in Charlotte? Now he can add Southern Sports Central because he's part of the family now, and uh, he's got a seat here at the table. So we're glad to have you in here with us, Reggie. What's going on, guys? I appreciate the seat at the table. Now I'll tell you, you're right about music. Music is key, even for athletes. you got to listen right. to the right stuff pregame and build yourself up the right way. No doubt about it, man. I mean, it's just I, – but it's different than me and you and Eugene when we played, man. I mean, these kids now, it's a – you know, it's a big deal. And, 
These kids care about that walk-up song, too, you know, especially in baseball. Man, it's got to be the right walk-up song. If you get my song wrong, I'm going to go 0 for 6, and I'm blaming you for playing the wrong song, right? <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. That's true. It's funny. I was – I was guys used to kind of mess with me. I was like the opposite, right? Like three hours, four hours before the game. Like, you know, and you go all the way back to high school, right? You get out of school at 2.30 or whatever it is. Game's not till 7, right. 7.30. So I'm starting with, like, the strong – loud, hip-hop, bass, all of that, by, like, 5.15, give me some, like, Teddy Pendergrass and Marvin Gaye, like, (laughs) I need to calm back down to maintain the energy the right Right. way so that when it's time to take the field, I still have the right juice. Man, that's so true. It's levels to to this, right? Yeah, well, see, I, I started out with, like, Rage Against the Machine type of stuff. You know, I'm sitting here going, Rage Against the Machine. I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, and I didn't even know half the time they were just screaming. And, my, you know, you could just feel yourself, like, lifting weights. You could feel your veins coming out. You're just like, oh, man, I'm getting this. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I need to get a little Dave Matthews in here, man. I got to bring this down a little bit because right now I'm, bring it I'm down. feeling it, right? And, uh, you know, uh, Eugene, what was, what was your jams, man? I don't want to leave you out of this conversation, man. What was your things that you were kind of getting pumped up and brought back down in, brother? Uh, at what era? Because, uh, you know, I'm a James Brown guy still. Uh, and there's a, there's a few stories with that. Um, I used to work for a major law firm, and I worked for Terry Richardson out of Barnwell, uh, South Carolina, for many years. And he represented James. And so when we were at Jerry, at the boss's birthday parties, uh, they would send for the limo over in Augusta to pick up James, and he would come and socialize and, and hang out for a few uh, cocktails or whatnot. But, um, you know, I still, when I'm cooking, you know, I'll either go with uh, some type of Italian opera or I'll hit James Brown. You know, my I still hit the 90s rap. I'm a huge Tupac fan, you know, just oh, really yeah. Tupac. And, and the old school um, LL Cool J, I'm Bad album. Yeah. Now, right. that's just that's me. You know, I'm 42, so that's kind of my era. You know, I was never, and I know this is almost blasphemy and, and no disrespect, never really a Michael Jackson fan. Um, I don't like Journey and some of the popular stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, I still hit the Tupac when I'm in the shower and uh, and, and some other things. That, but uh, to get in a good mood, definitely James Brown. Papa's got his brain in Papa Don't Take No Mess is the best beat, I believe, ever created in music. Mm, okay, okay. Now, speaking of that, now, I, I don't know about you guys, but as I've been right. watching The Last Dance, am I the only one that loses my mind when the music comes? Like, that soundtrack right now is right. – they need to release that as a separate album, and I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. Oh, man. See what quarantine's doing to us, man? It's, it's, it's changing us, man. It is changing us for the better, I hope, but it's definitely changing us. <laughs> we're going to have to quit calling. Uh, we're going to have to quit calling Coach Benton, Chef Benton, by the way. He is quite the chef. He does a great job. He did. He brought he brought food to the studio a couple about, about three weeks ago, I think, the last time he came up. And uh, he brought a couple of dishes, which, uh, quite frankly, I may have to give him a segment on here so he can kind of tell us what he's cooking and do like a YouTube live thing with the guy. He does a great job. Kid can cook. Um, you know, so when you come down, we have to do like a potluck thing or something, man. But uh, let, let's get into some football conversation because I know we got you for 30, man. So I want to use our time wisely. Uh, the first thing I want to get into, and, and this is something that's kind of kind of scratching something that, that quite frankly, I, I think needs to be handled. And that is the fact that there is no moving forward right now with Texas and Texas A&M. You know, and I believe strongly that, that interstate rivalries have got to maintain. They've got to play. They've got to do it. South Carolina and Clemson. 
all jokes aside, it's, it, it's, it's all but a law. And, and I know Eugene, you'll chime in with that here in a minute because he is very strong in that, in that field when it comes to the law things, but they have to play each other. It's just a done deal. There's no opportunity of them not playing each other. You know, when somebody said the other day, well, you know, if they do away with the non-conference games, South Carolina Clemson might not play. That's a lie. I don't know who they're yeah, going to off that schedule, but those two, that's a lie. <laughs> that's the biggest piece because it's going to happen. It's got to happen. It's a state law. It's got to happen. You know, it's like wearing your seatbelt. You know, you got to have it, right? So, for me, right. what is it about this? Why is Texas so butthurt that their network sucks? Let's just be honest. It wasn't great. You know, you can't watch so many recaps of Colt McCoy and be like, okay, cool. And after that, you know, you get a couple of other great guys. I mean, they, they've had some great quarterbacks. I don't want to start naming a bunch of guys. I mean, you know, Ricky Williams, by the by far, I thought was incredible back there in the backfield, right? Talk about Miami. Yeah, Ricky Next Williams, Dolphins, Priest Holmes. Oh, man, they've oh, had God. some guys now. But what is their deal? Why, why are they so butthurt about Texas A&M leaving the, you know, leaving the, the Big 12? And I don't really like that A&M left the Big 12. I, I appreciate their activity in the, in the SEC. I don't appreciate them beating my Gamecocks every year. But I do appreciate the tradition that they bring with the 12th man and the dog and, and the guy swaying back and forth. That's cool and what they do the Friday night before the game on Saturday. But you know what? I would rather give it back to and, – and this may not be a favorable conversation, but I want to let you chime in. As a matter of fact, we'll go to you first. Reginald, and then we'll go to you, Eugene. But, you know, with this, I, I, I would rather see West Virginia in the SEC because of their geographic location. I think that their crowd is great, too. But I do understand what A&M brings. Not only, let's be honest, it's all money-driven. Right, uh, Reginald? Oh, yeah. But, but, but what it, let's, let's, let's go backwards for a second. First of all, you know, what's that old adage, right, the keep my name out your mouth thing? Look, Texas – if you got a problem with A&M, schedule them. Otherwise, keep their name out of your mouth. That's number one. Yeah. Now, the reality of this is this. Remember before A&M, or around the time A&M's name came up about the SEC, there was a big discussion about a bunch of schools going to the Pac-12. Back then, they were gonna, it was going to basically be a super conference. It was going to be the Pac-16 led by Texas. Right. That was the whole key. What's happened is Texas doesn't like this, but essentially they became a bigger commodity for everybody else, A&M, I mean, than Texas was. And Texas doesn't like that. They still have a problem with that. And and, and they'll tell you in a minute. Texas fans will tell you in a minute. Oh, who cares about A&M? They're not good, blah, blah, blah. Here's the reality. You're mad because they became the commodity in college football. They went to – I'll say it, right, and, and with all due respect to teams like Clemson and teams like Penn State right. and Ohio State, they went to the premier football conference in college football, period. There's no question right. about that. And that's what Texas yeah. is mad about is they got left behind when they thought they were the bigger commodity for college football, and they haven't proven to be that. And then they get the network, right, which is what kept them there. And then they got slapped around about the network because, remember, one of the big pieces to the network was they wanted to air high school football games in the state. And what happened was the NCAA came in and said, no, 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 that's a recruiting advantage because you're putting that Longhorn logo next to each one of those kids' names. You cannot do that. That's what really beat that network up and hurt the Longhorn network. And if you add all that up and the fact that Texas A&M was the ones that got pulled to the preemptive football conference because all this stuff, all this realignment was about money and football. When A&M sure. got pulled to the SEC, 
and Texas was left holding the bag, that's why Texas mm. fans can't get A&M's name out of their mouth. And you're right. And because they made the great move. And, oh, what do they do? They top it off by doing something else. They go get Jimbo Fisher, who I think is really a great fit, a great hire. He's proven that. He's not gotten them over the hurdle. Let's be honest. They haven't won a national championship at A&M since 19 uh, – what was that? I think it goes back to 1939. That's a long time ago. Yeah, but they, Nine but, years. But, but, but they already got a Heisman. They already got yeah, a Heisman do. in the SEC. Texas yes, doesn't sir. like that. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yeah, Johnny yeah, he's not there, but he definitely did some things in the SEC. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, it ended right there. But that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. they, they were able to get in the preemptive league, win right. a Heisman Trophy, and get all of the attention that Texas did not get because they right. were no longer the commodity that they thought they were. This is true. This is true. Eugene, let me get your thoughts real quick on this one because uh, I want to talk a couple more topics before we get uh, the big man off the air with us here. But uh, your thoughts on this. This is something, again, they haven't played in nine years. We're talking about the, the Texas A&M and the Texas game. Should it be? Should it be a, 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 a legislated law? And this is in your field there, Eugene. This is in your wheelhouse. A law that these two teams should play one another year after year. doesn't matter you know, who else they play, but this should be a non-conference game if they can't be in the same conference, Eugene. No, I, and I, and I disagree, disagree that the, they should be legislatively made to play. Um, you know, when you get into that, you're getting into the government forcing you to do something, not to not do something like, you know, don't, commit, don't steal something or don't commit murder. Those are things that they tell you not to do. But in this case, you're compelling someone to do something. And I just, you know, I, I just disagree with that. You know, that's basically throwing out some, you know, your basic freedoms. And if it's an athletic director, the two athletic directors or two school presidents want to get together and say play, all good. They, I, don't, I, just, I just don't agree that the legislature should come in and Did force them to do something. Yeah, um, but, and I'll go back to you, Reginald. Let me ask you this. And, Eugene, that's, that's, I like that. You know, of course, he's in the courtroom. That's his courtroom hat there. I'm the other guy, man. Hey, cool. You don't got to like me. You know, you don't have to like what I got to say, but I think they should play. I don't give a daggum what, who makes them play, okay? Sometimes we got to tell our kids, if y'all can't get along, let me help you. Let me figure this out for you. It's good for the state. It's good for the economy. It's good for a lot more than just you and you. You guys are both hurt. We're going to figure this out since you guys can't work it out together. We'll work it out for you, just like they do this in court systems every day. You know, and we just go for the divorce hearings. You know, they try to give the, the man and the woman an opportunity to figure it out. But if they can't figure it out, guess what? The court system's got to go in there and play mom and daddy for you. They shouldn't have to do that either. They shouldn't have to bring the parents in there and say, you get this, that, and the other. Eugene, was there was – there for, forgive my language here. Was there a big butt coming in there from Eugene? Because it, it, it sounded like he was saying, you can't legally make them do it. But I feel like he was getting ready to say, but – they should do it. Was that coming, well, Eugene? I, I think they should play. You know, I mean, Clemson and South Carolina aren't legally obligated to play each other. Now, the, the General Assembly in the state of South Carolina did kind of push, strongly hint at, and kind of push, you know, both schools, <laughs> Clemson and South Carolina, to play the Coastals, to play, you know, South Carolina State, the Citadel, because it kept revenues in the state. And it was very good right. for, you know, for Charleston Southern and stuff like that. And I can't remember when it was. It's probably about four or five, six years ago. And what happened was is it came after Clemson and South Carolina both played. I think South Carolina had played Navy and uh, Clemson played someone else. And both those 
visiting teams got paid a million dollars each for that game. And a million dollars to a school like Charleston Southern blows their budget out the water for, you know, for the other sports besides football. And so that's where the General Assembly got together in South Carolina and said, look, you guys really need, if, if the chance is there, we're going to say, because, you know, at the end of the day, who's, on, who's the head of the Board of Trustees for both schools in South Carolina, Clemson and South Carolina, the governor. And so, you know, I mean, you know, and, and several right. state legislatures and, and high profile lawyers, um, you know, I told Reggie or I mean, uh, Richie knows this. I actually worked for one of the national powerhouse law firms that was actually working uh, with several schools when that uh, expansion rumors and, and things started flying around in 2011. And you're right. Texas was headed. They were very interested in going to the Pac-12 if and only if one thing. One, they kept all the Longhorn net, network revenue, and two, Oklahoma yep. went with them. And Oklahoma's yep. legislature said Oklahoma and Oklahoma State cannot be split up, and they didn't want right. Oklahoma State. So those and Texas happen. didn't want to take Texas Tech. Can jump in, but Texas legislature will not. Think about the Lone Star State, man. They are not about infringing on the rights of others. So that's why no I just don't think it will ever happen. Plus, Texas being, you know, in Austin, having the big law school, very well connected in, in, in all the, uh, the the areas of government, you know, they ha- they have the most clout. You know, they, they have the most money, even though, you know, Texas A&M isn't broke by any means. I mean, they have billions and billions in endowment money from, from oil and technology. But, you know, Texas, Texas still is the big fish in that state. Now, Texas A&M joined the SEC, you know, their fish grew. But uh, Texas is still the big fish, and they're going to get what they want. No one's going to force Texas to do anything. Yeah, I, and I see that. However, you know, it's been interesting, kind of like Florida. You know, the state of Florida, it, there for a while, it wasn't even Florida State, Florida, or Miami. They weren't even the big dogs in their in their own state, right? We heard about other teams, other smaller schools doing greater things. You've seen that in the state of Texas with Baylor doing better things. You've seen Texas Tech doing better things. So, you know, that's something that uh, – Eugene, maybe put that out there on, on, on the world of Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central. That's where we are in Twitter world. And, and ask the question, should – Others get involved and to make this rivalry reappear. Nine years, guys, nine years, and the money that it brings to that game alone. I know the Oklahoma-Texas Red River rivalry is a big deal, but that Texas A&M and Texas game is a real deal as well, and uh, maybe we kind of put that out there. You can follow us also on, on Facebook as well. Uh, some other things, guys, I want to get into before we, uh, we have to say goodbye to Reginald, who's joining us live right now here uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, he covers a ton, and now he's part of, uh, part of the family here on Southern Sports Central as he's hanging out on the Tent Farm Hotline. Uh, one thing that I do see uh, that, that you're hearing a little bit about now, and, and that is the factor that Notre Dame would be okay if schedules were tweaked. Now, Notre Dame, why wouldn't they be okay? They've got probably the easiest schedule in the country. Uh, would you agree with that, Reginald? You've, of course, been around the game of college football. You've played there at Penn State. We've all seen them kind of cherry pick a few things. They even, I feel like, get to cherry pick their ACC schedule, which I'm, I'm kind of also wanting to get into that a little bit. Your thoughts, because I don't think we've ever debated this with you on the air. Should they be forced, with everything going on, to join a conference? We talk about that's what Texas, I thought, was kind of leaning towards, is trying to be the new Notre Dame, right, to be the new kid on the block that has their own network, doing their own thing. Of course, NBC paid them, and Texas A&M had, excuse me, Texas had their own thing. But, now with what may be in the future of some shortening, some changing of some things here, what's your thoughts on uh, Notre Dame releasing that statement saying from, of course, their athletic director, 
that they would still play a full schedule, even at the Power Five commissioners result to a conference-only schedule to shorten the season. Well, it, it sounds so Notre Dame, and they can do it because they're they're writing checks for many of their games, and then the right. other piece of it is they have the NBC money. So if all of a sudden they say conference-only schedules, well, Notre Dame's not technically in a conference. They have the five ACC games every year, but they're not technically in that league. So if they want to, they can choose to not play those games and play the other games on their schedule, I would think. Now, I don't know how that legally lays itself out, Eugene, but I would think they could almost sort of pick the games that they want to play because they're not in a league. So if all of a sudden they choose to play, and I know they usually play Navy, so if they choose to play the service academies and they choose to play Syracuse and they choose to play, you know, some of those, the, the, the teams that they don't, you know, UConn, the teams that they don't necessarily fear and choose to play those games, it wouldn't shock me. Because in their mind, really what they're worried about is making sure they got the NBC dates so they can get the NBC money. They don't care about going on the road to Wake Forest, if you will, and playing on ESPN. Right. That doesn't, they, they don't care. They'd rather make sure they get all their NBC games because they get all that revenue. That's correct, and they don't have to share NBC money because that was the that was the quote agreement when they joined the ACC for all sports but football. They do not share their bowl money with the ACC, nor nor do they share their TV money. And I think their TV money, you know, was some huge deal where it's what uh, something in, depends on the uh, the viewership. It could be anywhere from twenty to forty million a year. I mean, why do they even need to be in the con- conference if you're making that much money just off one TV deal? Um, but you're right, you know, play Army, play Navy, play Stanford, uh, and I think Southern Cal is still on that hit list of you know teams that they must play or do play every year. And uh, why not, man? Collect your check and go home. I mean, and, 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 and now you look at sports fans, but that's just the way it is on a business side, not as a sports fan, but on the business side. Collect your check, play your five games, and go home. And to that point, Eugene, to, to add to that, um, and I think this is the other aspect that I think sometimes people forget about with Notre Dame and, and their ability to kind of call their shots like that with this NBC money. People forget, going back to the BCS days, they got paid from the BCS even if they didn't make it because they were Notre Dame and they had that kind of a cachet. So, Richie, to your, to your question, if I'm Notre Dame, yeah. there's no way on God's green earth I'm going to a conference when I get sweetheart deals yeah. like that. It's just, hey, but, and you're right, because to, to go back to you, Eugene, you know, aside from this ACC money, you know, Notre Dame also has that television deal, like you mentioned, with NBC that runs through 2025, that it will pay them $15 million annually. Now, that deal was uh, placed back in 1991. Did you know that they also got on top of that deal $5.8 million from the ACC deal? I mean, that's crazy. TV deal money. That's crazy money. And, and they're like the godfather right now. I mean, they're, they're like watching the Soprano and oh boy, just sitting up there, you know, with touchdown Jesus going, oh, we'll get him, we'll get him, we'll get him. We're definitely not playing him right now. We're not going to go that route. And, and they're kind of doing their thing. And, you know, you saw South Carolina go independent back in the day. It didn't work for them. You saw, of course, you know, other teams, uh, I believe Arkansas, when South Carolina came in, Arkansas came into the SEC. You've seen other teams try to, to go that independent route. But it, it seems to be only fitting, right, the touchdown Jesus and Notre Dame. And, of course, being an Irishman myself, uh, it, it only works for the luck of the Irish. 
uh, when you look well, at their market, uh, UConn's their trying to do it right now. I mean, UConn, UConn's trying to do it in football right now, and I'm going to tell you right now, they're in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. There's some folks up there in the Northeast that are saying UConn needs to go back down to the FCS level um, and just not even deal with it because here's the hard part. You still got to convince people to come up there and play. You can't play all your games on the road just to get the checks. But UConn right. is not a program – like, if you go to Notre Dame, like, for instance, you, let's use Georgia a couple of years ago. If you go to Notre Dame and lose by a point, you get patted on the back. You go to UConn and lose, you're done. Mm. There, you're, there's no you're national right. championship. You can forget all of it. And so, and I know UConn fans don't want to hear that, but the reality of the situation is, first of all, you got a 58,000-seat stadium and you can't fill that consistently. That's problem number one. Right. Problem number two, since Randy Edsel left the first time, you haven't done anything. Right. And Randy Edsel did a pretty right. good job when they were back in the Big East. And number three, who, without the tradition of, you know, seeing touchdown Jesus and those types of things in South Bend, who wants to go to right. East Hartford and play a football game the second <laughs> week of November? Nobody. There's I'm not, I'm not doing that. They like to be about to basketball. <laughs> Right, right. And so you add yeah. those things up. I, I'm concerned about UConn. And there are some people, oh, UConn, they'll, get the, they'll be fine. They'll get side TV deals. I'm like, what are they going to get, SNY? Like, they're not going to go get this side deal right. from, you know, some network that's going to pay them 15 to $20 million a year like Notre Dame's getting. Right. Let me ask you this real quick, though. When you look at it in the big picture, thing, so you mentioned, you mentioned the Big East. Seems so long ago, by the way. There was for you young guys and girls out there. There used to be a conference called the Big East. And uh, do you think the do you think the ACC felt like they got they got what they thought they were getting out of those teams from the from the ACC? They they came from uh, the Big East when it comes to the regional. And I'm gonna talk football because I know basketball. That's probably what they did it for. But do you think they feel like they got their bang for their buck? I know they haven't gotten it out of Miami yet. But everybody else, what's your thoughts? No, I don't. I don't think they. they I, I don't think they did. But to be honest, I don't think they were really looking for this big bang. I think they were looking to survive, because the concern was, because you got to remember, everybody started moving because all of a sudden, they lose Rutgers, which is the New York City market. They lose Maryland, which is D.C. So all of a sudden, they're looking around and they're going, "We better bring something back." Syracuse was basically a trade for Rutgers. And when you really think right. about it, it's probably a better trade because right. most people will tell you New York City is a Syracuse town more than it is a Rutgers town. Rutgers may oh, be no closer, doubt. but that's a Syracuse town. And so at the end of the day, they had to make some certain decisions. I think Boston College was one of those situations where they were like, well, if we're going to go get Syracuse, we've got to put somebody up there with them because that's one thing the ACC has done a really good job of is keeping some proximity uh, Florida State and Miami, it's not the perfect proximity, but they've done a really good job with everything they've done is keeping some kind of proximity. I mean, you think about this league and what it used to be. The thing that made it even that much better is you can basically take one highway and hit the entire league. I mean, you think about it. NC right. State, uh, Carolina, Duke, Wake, Clemson, Georgia Tech. That's 40-85. slash That's all one highway. And so right. – or you could take a boat. Try or to you can take a boat to the intercoastal waterway and hit it all too. <laughs> or there you go. That, that's that. And so when you look at how they laid out this league, the 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 Syracuse BC kind of matched up, 
But I think as a whole, they were looking to make sure they survive and they grabbed the big ones that were out there. And I tell you, the thing that's really hurt them, you know, because remember, they took a team from the Big East, but the team that they, the, the, the team I'm leading up to that they took from the Big East, which is Miami, Miami left a lot of Florida in the state, in the Big East. Remember, South Florida, who had a really good year, that one really good year and some solid years around it with Jim Levitt when they launched that program, those were a bunch of kids that years past, they would have went and sat at Miami for three years and waited their turn. That doesn't happen anymore. So I think part of losing the luster with Miami, and even to some extent Florida State not being what they have been historically, is, is right. situations like Florida Atlantic. Florida International, South Florida, Central Florida as well. All of those programs have contributed um, a little bit to the lack of bang for the buck that came with Miami. Very true, man, as always. Uh, part of, part of a man with issues, man, is, is the stadium issue, man. If you have to drive, you know, an hour, yes. you have to drive 35 miles north, it's the, the university, for those who don't know, have never been there, actually interviewed there for law school. It's not in Miami. It's way south no. of Miami, Coral Gables. It's not an easy yes. trek to North Miami to get to a stadium. It's not like you're walking on campus, man. It's such a, you know, and so it's, it's just hard. No one goes to games. It's hard. And, 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 I, and I love that you made that point because, because that goes back to the point I made about the school that's trying to go independent. UConn's campus is in stores. Their football stadium is in East Hartford. That doesn't work. If it doesn't work at Miami, it's definitely not going to be a viable option at UConn. Very true. Very, very true, man. I tell you, we appreciate everything that you're doing for us. We're looking forward to this. What a great 30 minutes of football conversation. They say there's nothing to talk about. Brother, we still had more stuff here. I still Nick Saban talking about four weeks is plenty of time, and Clemson just picked up the number two running back. I mean, there's so many things left here on our list. Maybe we get you back in here for Thursday and, and get you twice a week, man. I mean, heck, I mean, come on in full time. I don't, I don't care, but we definitely can uh, We can take this into a round table, bring everybody in and, and have this thing together. But uh, first of all, welcome officially, uh, you know, to uh, your first segment of many segments and just at any point, you know, just come on in, pull your chair up, and, uh, you know, we'll do like potluck. you got to bring something to eat, right? you got to bring something. Your jeans got the main course. Everybody's got to bring the side dishes. But uh, for, for everything that it's worth, we're, we, we just got better by one, by bringing you in, and I just can't say enough how much it means to me that you, uh, that, that you trust what we do here in the process of what we're all about in our platform to, to say I'm in. I want to be a part of it, man. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity and the, and, and the, and the chance to just talk a little ball with you all and, uh, you know, and, and and to your point, there is there are things that we can talk about, and we just hit some of them. And uh, I tell you what, Clemson's getting a pretty good one in Shipley. Um, again, it's just a verbal commitment. You never know what a sixteen, seventeen, year, eighteen year old kid, if they really mean it. Uh, but right. but right now in the fold, uh, I, I would tell people this: I like Shipley. I think he's a good football player. He's not as explosive as Travis Etienne, but that doesn't mean he's not a good football player. So I think they got a good one, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, in college as well, because I think he's going to be a pretty good football player. No doubt about it. Reginald, as always, brother, we talk to you hopefully maybe Thursday. We'll talk it up uh, off the air and see what works out. But uh, for all that you do here at Southern Sports Central, all that you're going to do at Southern Sports Central, we're excited. Of course, you know, Reginald, you can follow him at rwalk 
13. He, of course, played for Joe Pond, the Nittany Lions, back in the day. He is a current Charlotte 49er TV analyst and, of course, Gardner-Webb radio analyst there, and, of course, here on Southern Sports Central. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day. I'm sure I'm going to catch up with you off the air here shortly. But, uh, again, looking forward to a big guy. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate it. We are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you got to love it, man. They put it in there. You know who else says we are, by the way? It's Ashley Rich. So that's kind of neat that they were our spotlight. And I want to, again, thank the principal, the athletic director, and everybody over there at Ashley Ridge for our first ever kickoff campus tour. 2020, we landed at Ashley Ridge. We take it Sunday. We're going to take it Sunday to the fort, which, oh, by the way, they just hired Ashley Ridge's former head football coach, Kenny Walker. So that's cool. That's how this works. But next, we're going to take the bus. We're driving back to the tank. That's Oceanside Campus over there in Mount Pleasant. We're going to check in now with the athletic director who, of course, is running the program. He's going to be taking over the helm of the athletic department. He's been in that office over there with uh, Chad Greer, but uh, now he's got the keys to the Cadillac. And uh, Mark Myers is going to join us next right here on Southern Sports Central. Guys, stay tuned. Kane is in the building. And welcome back, everybody. Southern Sports Central, live here on a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, one hour in the books. We're going to hour number two as we're here at 7 o'clock. It is the fifth day of May. Eugene Cinco de Mayo here is uh, what the show should be. Maybe we should have played some Cinco de Mayo music, if I'm not mistaken, here on a beautiful, hot, steamy warm Tuesday afternoon. They say this heat is what's going to kill the virus, man. I say, hey, turn up the heat. We're good for that here in the South and definitely here in South Carolina where humidity is just another day in the office. And talking about another day in the office, I bring him in right now over here hanging out with us on the hotlines. And that, of course, is the, uh, well, Kent Farm hotline. It's going to be Oceanside's very own Coach Mark Myers joins us. He also does some other things on the campus, but we're going to talk to him with his athletic director hat on. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's going on? Always a pleasure. Of course, Eugene's here with us, and you know that guy as good as any of us there. He's uh, a great <laughs> with his friends. We might, we might have all the here and there. <laughs> First of all, congratulations uh, on, on becoming the new athletic director. You actually have been uh, in that office as, if I'm not mistaken, the, the assistant athletic director, and you got the opportunity. Uh, you've been doing it anyway, right? You've been doing it anyway. You guys kind of shared a lot of roles here. You've coached as well, correct? Well, yeah, Chad, you know, obviously was a football coach, so he's very busy with football in the fall, and I'm a spring coach with soccer. So we sort of tag-teamed it there for about, what, three years, I guess. Um, Right. So it's a little bit of a job title change, a couple little additional responsibilities. For the most part, though, yeah, sort of old hat. Well, I tell you what, I actually – I've met you a couple times. uh, As we did a show there uh, last year, and it was when your students were coming on campus, I think getting their notepads and – and all their material uh, early before the, the the season actually started or the school year started, we did a show out there in the front yard and, of course, under the big O. And uh, you guys fed me and, and took good care of me. And I tell you what, I'm excited. And then 
you did another one. You hired one of uh, a fellow who is a brother of mine. Uh, Joe Call is now the new head football coach over there, taking over for Coach Greer. And uh, we love Coach Greer. We love Chad a lot here. Chad has uh, been really good to us here at Southern Sports Central. Welcome us behind the scenes and around and in locker rooms. And man, it's been a, a, what a joy. And I know it was a loss, but. You know, it's kind of like I say, uh, and I told Coach Cole this. I said, man, you know, when they hired you, I kind of put it together like Lou Holtz at South Carolina. Lou Holtz came in and, and took that program to, to, to another level. When all of a sudden, here comes the old ball coach, and he took it to the next level. I said, well, that's kind of what they're going to expect out of you, buddy. You're going to take it to that next step. And you couldn't have found a better man to take over and, and really take your program on and off the field to the program that I know you guys are expecting it to be at, Coach. Well, we are, and I, I did listen to that show when the, when we hired Coach Call, and I didn't realize that how tight uh, you two guys were, and it was good to hear. And that's part of why we hired Joe. I mean, he, he's he, uh, you know our school is a is a family focused, uh, family centric environment, and uh, you know he just felt that bill to come in and and make that football program you know continue what Chad had done, and uh, y'all know you know y'all know how chad ran it it was, it was a family and sure. um, I, I can i feel sure that joe will continue in that vein so we we're very happy about that hire. yeah live right now with us is the uh the head coach over the athletic department over there at oceanside first of many visits here into the studio with us we're doing the virtual thing right now we're still practicing the the social distancing but it's getting ready to break uh, I feel good about it here shortly. We're going to start making some campus tours on campus. So we're coming to you uh, very soon, Coach Myers, as we're live with Mark Myers. He is the new athletic director taking over the program. So will you maintain your, your responsibility of coaching in the spring? I know that, you know, Coach Brew was allowed to do that in the fall, but has that changed anything, what you do on and around the campus with uh, taking over the Helms completely? No, uh, you know, I will continue as the, uh, as the girls' soccer coach. Um, that's you know I've been doing it for 24 years. That's my that's my love. Uh, you know I, I was a football player, but I, I've always only really coached at, at least at a higher level anyway soccer. So that's my sport, and uh, you know I, I look forward to continuing that. Obviously this spring didn't go the way we wanted. Uh, you know we we lost in the state championship game last year, and I started at eight underclassmen. So you might want to you might figure that we were sort of set up to get there again, and I was really hoping we yep. would uh, get that ring on this this year and. Uh, very disappointed the way it turned out, but you know, you know, what are you going to do with the global pandem- pandemic? Mm. No doubt about it. We actually have two soccer players coming on here later tonight. It's going to be Somerville sent us two ladies. Coach Baggett, the head soccer coach up there in Somerville, and she's sending us over. Hannah McVicker and Caroline Brown will join us, and I think that wraps up their senior class. So, first of all, uh, and I know you're aware of this because of Eugene's connection, and, and of course, talking to you on and off, uh, of course, time to time again, as you guys are very close. But we want to get your seniors in here. I don't care what sport they play. We've already talked through some of your football, baseball. We've even had our first lacrosse player who's heading out to Utah uh, joined us. And uh, your strength and conditioning coach, uh, Coach Gates, is going to join us at 730. And then, uh, no, yeah, 730. And then Coach Jalen Hill, who's taken over, I believe, the junior varsity football program. And he coaches under Coach Call over there on the varsity level as well, is going to join us. So we have a very – Strong Oceanside show here uh, through middle part of the sandwich here. Uh, but, but talk to us a little bit. Uh, for those who are getting to know you, uh, who is Mark Myers? Now, where'd you come from? Where'd you play? Where'd you grow up? Uh, kind of give yourself an introduction to all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your typical athletic director career path. Uh, so I uh, uh, grew up in Hanahan. I played football for Coach Bill Stedman, who's still over here in Mount Pleasant. I run into him occasionally. Um, want to introduce him to my players each year. Uh, he, I was a defensive end. He was the defensive end linebacker coach, and he's still been a big part of my adult life, talking to him for, you know, mentorship through these years. And, uh, 
Went off to the University of South Carolina, joined the Marine Corps, did that thing for about nine years, got out, was a pharmaceutical sales rep for a long, long time. And then uh, in 08, I decided I'd try something different. So I bought an all-state agency up in Roanoke, Virginia. So I had a four-man all-state agency that I owned up there, sold it, came back to Charleston in 2015, started selling pharmaceuticals again. All this time I've been coaching, starting the Marine Corps. I've been co- So I started 1993 uh, was the year I started coaching soccer. And then, uh, and then as is very common on the Oceanside campus, it's a very, it's, it's a unique environment. I, I think you've been around it enough to know that it's small, it's family-centric. Miss Corley has set up this great culture that everybody just enjoys being part of. And it sort of kept sucking me in. You know, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, and I would stop by to get ready to go coach and start talking to, you know, walking up and down the halls, talking to people, and then sort of find myself spending more and more and more time there. And, uh, you know, I was a few years away from where I was ready to hang up doing the sales gig anyway. And Ms. Coley uh, just approached me one day with an opportunity to just go ahead and do this thing full time. And, uh, and Coach Greer, Chad, who is now a uh, will be a lifelong friend of mine. I didn't know him well at that point, but said that uh, he'd like me to help him out with this whole, you know, athletic director part. So here I am. So, you know, very unusual career path to get to be a high school athletic director. But, man, I, I finally – I tell people all the time now, I finally, it took me until I was 53 years old to get that job where you just you would you would do it for free. Now, you know, but my wife wouldn't let me do it for free. But, uh, but I would do this job for free. Everything else I've done at this point was, you know, for service of others or, you know, to put right. the bills on, you know, pay the bills and send the kids to college. You know, I'm empty nest now, so I, you know, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing what uh, feels good, feels right. You know, I feel what I'm called to do right now. So I really enjoy myself. Well, I tell you, we enjoyed having you in here as we're live right now. Let me hear on the Tim Farm Hotline. Join us all the way from the tank over there in Mount Pleasant, Oceanside, very own. Oceanside's athletic director, Coach Mark Meyer, joins us right now. He also coaches the, the girls' soccer program. And like you mentioned, very young, very poised, and had a, uh, an opportunity to, to make another run. And that's what they do, by the way. Mount Pleasant is known for soccer. I don't know whether it's in the water over there, but I remember growing up at, at Sockacy, you know, they would always play Wando and soccer, and it was, it was quite the matchup. And Wando usually won at the end of the day. And, of course, Oceanside's, you know, been able to, to get the kids from, you know, that area because it's all in the same backyard uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, before I turn you over to Eugene, because I do want to give Eugene a chance to talk to you as well because I'm excited about you coming in here, and I can't say enough how much we love having athletic directors in here. We had our first principal uh, on the show, uh, Ms. Radcliffe from uh, Ashley Ridge on Sunday, and I figured I'd spend enough time yeah. in the principal's office. Why not call her to mine, right? I mean, it's kind of the shoe on the other foot kind of feel. It was kind of neat, but uh, – to have you guys come Man, back. I'm going to have you back on campus. Last time you were there, it was like you were stuck outside in the heat and humidity. We'll have to be better hosts this time. I, I think your internet connection <laughs> was not doing good or something, if I remember right. But anytime yeah. you want to come host from the, from the tank, we'd be glad to have you. Well, we're definitely going to do it. Let me ask you this, and then Eugene, after he answers this, I'm going to turn him over to you for a few. Uh, and, Coach, again, thank you again for being a part of our show and, and allowing us to be a part of your family. We love it here. This is what Southern Sports Central is about. It's a platform set for you and your athletes, uh, and we just love the opportunities that we keep getting from you guys over there and your principal. And, of course, uh, we're really psyched about having uh, Coach Call over there as well. Uh, that and the fact he's, he said he's got me a hat. I'm looking forward to having that big old hat and uh, getting some swag on. So I gave him about a lot of 10, fun, but he must be giving you one. <laughs> hey, I made the list, and that's a good, a good list to be on over there. So, 
Let, let me ask you this question. You know, when, when it came down, of course, it, it was pretty close to you because you coached the girls' soccer team. How did you guys handle it? How did you guys sit down? I guess virtually everybody zooming in and, and doing their thing. How, how did how were you guys taking uh, number one the the spring sports? It's no longer gonna. You know, it's been canceled a couple weeks back, and now how are you handling the fall season? What, what kind of preparations? What are the rules right now? from your point of view, yeah. that you guys are allowing your coaches to do to get ready for this upcoming 2020 season, Coach? So we're all becoming very, very intimately familiar, more than we thought we'd ever be with Zoom. I mean, Zoom is the way that we're all maintaining contact. Um, back to the spring, just specifically me as a coach, you know, staying in touch with my players. Just, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, they all just want to see each other. They, You know, they're locked in their houses and, you know, haven't been able to do anything. So, we would just do Zoom calls just where they could wave at each other and talk to each other. I would just open up the forum and let them, you know, just let them socialize. Because teenagers, you know, that, that's, this is particularly hard on them. I, I worry about even, like, you know, just mental well-being, you know, after you've been locked in the house for such a long time. It, it's, you know, it's very depressing to be stuck in the house, especially think about when you're a teenager. Now, as far as the, the fall goes, with you know, football and volleyball and all that, the high school league has said, you know, still basically everything is closed right now. We were allowed to do conditioning. You're allowed to co- communicate with your teams and your players via, um, you know, uh, platforms like Zoom or, or Google Hangouts or any of that kind of stuff, give them workouts to do. But really that's all we're allowed to do right now. Uh, I was I listened to the executive committee talk about the what we're going to do. And really what they where it stands now is, is, is we're, we're not going to uh, – they're not going to change the calendar through the summer, starting on June 1st was when everybody, football and all that goes into open season. But the uh, whenever the the governor gives the go-ahead to lift uh, the social distancing guidelines, then we won't uh, be able to start practices and, and, and such. But, you know, it's really up to the – honestly, at this point, it's just up to the governor. The, the high school league is not going to change the calendar. So say the governor opens it up, just arbitrary number, just, you know, opens up on June the 8th. Well, wherever the whatever the high school league's calendar says that you're able to do on June 8th, we'll be able to do it on June 8th. The only thing that really did change is because they know how much time we lost through the spring. Was that if you remember, there's always this dead week right around July 4th. We're not, you know, what I always tell my coaches that hey, if you see your kids in the grocery store, don't even say hey. I mean, you're not supposed to do anything with your athletes during dead week. Uh, they took away dead week, so we are able to get one more week of practice in uh, around that July 4th week once the governor uh, says we can go. So that's where we, that's where we stand. It's just a lot of, a lot of zoom meetings and a lot of, uh, you know, kids working out on their own, you know, people are, are doing these videos where they're using cinder blocks with a, you know, a pole or a pipe in their garage because they don't have weights. You know, we're just getting it done any way they can on their own. That's the way it is. It's a weird time for sure. Hey coaches, Eugene's joining in now. Uh, you know, we had uh, Ashley Ridge's athletic director, and he found himself in similar position as you, and that's, uh, you know, interviewing and looking for a head coach. And uh, mm-hmm. as he brought up, and, you know, I didn't really do the count. You know, Rich and I had covered, you know, many athletic programs and schools around the area, but it appears that there were 19 possible opens this year. Um, you know, it was crazy. I, mean, I don't think I've ever yeah. seen a year like the Low Country had for head coach turnover. Exactly. And, um, you know, I'm not going to ask you specifics like, you know, hey, you know, I like this about this guy or, or, or this about that guy. But uh, as an athletic director and someone who's on that committee or, or, or the quote unquote, you know, to steal a quote from someone that you and I both know the source of this to be the quote unquote, the decider. 
or, or part of that decision process. You know, take us through, you know, when you're looking for, for a coach to come in, you know, what are some of the things you're looking for? You know, because people are always like, you know, well, what's it take to get hired or this, that, the other? So, uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're not asking specifics of any one person, but, you know, when you're an athletic right, right. director and you're meeting with principal or committee, you know, what are you looking for as far as, you know, the right person to fit your program or the right person in general? Well, I think one thing that really helped us in that regard was just the program that uh, Coach Greer did build. It was uh, well known how well how well that team did last year and um, on the field, and uh, because of that, and the, I think the the reputation that Oceanside has, you know, not only are we are we good athletically, we're the number six ranked uh, high school in the state uh, academically, and that ain't even includes some of the magnet schools that you have to test to get into or above us. So we're doing well there. So what, I think that it creates. Uh, we didn't even post the job when Coach Greer left. We never even put out on any, uh, you know, hiring boards or, or football forums or any of that. We, it was just word of mouth, and we got hundreds. And I'm not exaggerating. We got hundreds of of resumes that were of high quality. So then it's just a matter of just going through and you know what we want. We want somebody that's got a history of of winning and somebody that, um, you know, back to where Oceanside has that family centric, that small environment. Somebody that we think would be a good fit. Because you know, it's not even though sometimes you know people may have success, it's not, sometimes not a, a good fit. And I think fit was really important uh, to carry us forward, and that's what we look for. Those were the two things: you know, a history of winning, but also just a good fit with our uh, our culture that we built over here. And you mentioned some of the COVID stuff, you know, and, and this really, really, really unusual environment, man. You take over as athletic director when you know this is probably the craziest time. Uh, in yeah. history of athletic, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, so all these rules when you can practice, and there are certain things on, that have been on, you know, set in stone. I, I've seen, you know, your office where all these, you know, calendars on the wall. Who can practice then? Who's off? You know, who's blocked out? Who has the gym? Who has the field? And so, you know, what are you doing to maintain uh, contact with your coaches? Saying, you know, hey, I just was on the executive committee Zoom. You know, we got to mm-hmm. do this. We can't do that. So, what do you? What's kind of like this? Uh, this crazy new athletic director role, and how are you managing that? Well, uh, funny you say that. Just, uh, just yesterday, I set up a, uh, a Zoom meeting with all my head coaches. We're meeting on Monday at noon, every coach, and then. Uh, but up to that point, a lot of phone conversations, a whole lot of emails whole lot of forwarding stuff from the high school league, all these memos that they're coming out with about what you know, what we're allowed to do and, you know, when they're going to meet next to make the next decision. So a lot of that through the summer, a lot of texts, um, you know, it's, everything's virtual, you know, thank goodness for cell phones and for, uh, and for Zoom. I uh, look forward to seeing all my coaches smiling faces on, uh, on Monday. That's the first time I've well, I've had a Zoom call, but yeah, look forward to seeing them. That's awesome. And, uh, I know there was a personal thing that, that uh, you and I had talked about since we both have a, a love for food. Um, you know, talk to us, <laughs> and there's another little role you have on there is I know you were starting an SBA group there at the school, and uh, you and I had talked about cooking some food. So uh, it's just another hat that you're putting on, man, uh, you know, as buying into the school and all that you do. Um, you brought Whatever up earlier. Whatever uh, Exactly. And you brought up earlier, I was texting Richie when, you know, because I'm producing while he's interviewing and vice versa. Um, you know, when you said, you know, this is the the first job you've ever had you do for free, but your wife won't let you. You know, and I texted him, I said, ask him what his wife does, because, you know, right now she, she's having a a time, too. And so if you could introduce us to, to, to your lovely bride and, and tell us what she, yeah. uh, what she does and what she's doing now. 
I tell you what, everybody, I think, has had at least you know, some respect for what teachers do. Teachers, I think everybody knew what uh, how hard it is to be a teacher. But I tell you what, my wife is a third-grade teacher over at Mount Pleasant Academy. Uh, she was teacher of the year last year for the school, and uh, killing her. She loves to see her kids. The, uh, the meeting on the Zoom and doing all the, the Google Classroom stuff, and while it's frustrating just because everything is an electronic platform, and I tell you what, I think every teacher in America right now is working harder than they ever have. And I think by everybody's kids being home and being homeschooled by their parents now, I think everybody's going to have a lot more appreciation for what teachers do. I think I saw a poll on the news the other night that 85% of Americans uh, polled recently just said that uh, teachers need a raise. And boy, do they. I mean, what they do and the love for the kids and what they're, you know, having to learn to this distance learning, you know, that's just how at least we were set up for it already and everybody knew how to do it. So it was an easy transition. But that's not the case for everybody. So this has been a big thing for teachers um, and for kids, too. I mean, it's, a, it's a weird time. I can't wait till uh, we turn the page on this school year and hopefully get back in the classroom in August. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was great seeing you uh, was this past Friday when uh, I was in the office for a couple hours meeting uh, with Coach Cole over there. But um, so – as you're aware, something that that I received earlier, I'm, I'm sure as an athletic director and someone in, in this uh, under the legislative delegation uh, of Charleston County slash Berkeley County part of Dorchester, um, there was a quote unquote legal opinion that came out. Have you been able to read that? Are you able to discuss that or do you need a little more time to digest it? I know it was about four or five pages. Well, that, you know, stuff it's, on it. it's public knowledge. I mean, there was a bylaw change, right? It was a membership of the high school league voted on bylaw changes that uh, affected the ability of kids to uh, have uh, school choice. And uh, we don't agree with that. Obviously uh, what the, the rule that came out, the, uh, the state attorney general, Alan Wilson recently, I think it was about 10 days ago or so, put an opinion right. on his website. So, it's, you know, everybody can go look at that. It's scag.gov 2020 for his opinions. And in his opinion, and you're, you're the legal guy, so, you, you know, I'm learning a lot more law than I, than I care to. But uh, I think you can read it as well and see that he has a pretty strong opinion, literally an opinion, that what the, the high school league has done or the, the, the members have done is not uh, in accordance with – the uh, state law is about school choice. So we'll see how that turns yeah. out. Yeah, and I'll tell you from my side of the uh, defense, when when I got the letter, I skipped the two things, the legal analysis and the conclusion. <laughs> so the legal analysis kind of broke out each each section. Right. <laughs> well, the legal analysis broke out each argument. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the strongest arguments was if there's a school choice in the state and, and they cited the school choice act uh, in the state, you know, and on the, on playing devil's advocate for the other side was, well, school choice means academics only. Well, no, it really doesn't. And I think that's the jury question or the question for the Supreme court is, you know, your high school experience is your high school experience, whether it be in a, you know, uh, a math class, a drama class, you know, as a sport or as an extracurricular. And, and there was a very good quote last night, uh, I mean, uh, Sunday night from the principal at Ashley Ridge, Miss Radcliffe, and she said, you know, our academics are first and foremost, but our extracurriculars and our athletics, that's our gateway to the community. That's where we raise our fan support. That's where we reach folks and bring them into the swamp, bring them into the school, bring them into the family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so when they say and then um, that, you know, it's all it, it, the other side was saying, well, school choice for academics only. 
uh, you know, the, go, the, the attorney general opinion was, well, not really. You're saying it's school choice because it's school choice, period. And then, you know, the, the next thing I found interesting was, you know, it used to be going into a high school. You could choose which high school you wanted to if you, and be eligible in ninth grade. Um, and the, the attorney general went, I thought, and, uh, right before the inclusion, pretty hard on that paragraph and saying that you moved it down to seventh grade when a lot of private high schools who compete in the public school league and charter schools, you know darn well they don't have middle schools. So you basically, and then it filtered out into the conclusion was, no, you've actually unfairly targeted those schools and these kids. You say you're you know, a, a, a fair league and open to all competition, but if you look at the only amendments you made, they've unfairly targeted those type of schools who compete in the, high, the public high school league. So, like I said, I, I go to legal analysis and, and the conclusion, and, you know, my conclusion was, like, like uh, the attorney general said, was he felt very, very strongly a judge would rule against the high school league had it, you know, if it's taken to court. My understanding is, uh, you know, from um, a, another school in the area is that uh, legal action is already underway. So, you know, I guess we'll either let it shake out through a settlement or a compromise or or some decision that will probably go up to the appellate court system. Well, of course, I have my own opinion, but the attorney general's opinion uh, has his, or the attorney general has his own opinion, but obviously a decision for people uh, much smarter than me, so I look forward to hearing what they decide. Yeah, man. Well, we only have about a minute left. Um, you know, I know as a coach for spring athletes, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that you followed our Spotlight 2020 where we try to bring some uh, senior athletes on mm-hmm. here. Especially those who've lost their season. I don't recall if we have any senior lady soccer players at Oceanside. If we did, it had to be very few because we did. Okay, I, I wasn't sure who they were, yep. but um, because most of the most I'll, of the ladies I know are, love to, I, they, they'd love to get on and talk about their experience. So I'll, I'll get in touch with you guys about getting these these, these people on. That's awesome. And um, but uh, if there was something that you know something we can put out or, or a message you want to leave not only to the school spring athletes or some of your ladies soccer players, you know, kind of your, uh, your, you're at the podium, you're kind of, you know, signing off speech. What would you say to these, uh, these student athletes there at Oceanside? Well, senior student athletes, especially the spring ones, it's not the way obviously we wanted to go out, but you left, definitely left a mark on uh, helping us get this school started. Some of you were the original land sharks that were all the way back to the, the uh, McClellanville days. We love you. We're going to miss you, and good luck with uh, college or whatever you've got going on next. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for your time, man. Uh, I'm sure I'll bump into you, and we'll we'll catch up very soon. Uh, maybe we'll come over there and have a, a little cook-off together or something like that. But I just want to thank you for all you do, you know, for the community and, and uh, for the school itself. And uh, just want to say thank you for your time as well. We loved having you on Southern Sports Central. The, uh, the phone in the door is always open, buddy, and you take care. All right, anytime, anytime. Tell Rich I said thank you for having me and, and look forward to seeing you guys soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Coach. Uh, y'all have a good, good stuff, Eugene. Man, what a great interview and a great man. I'm looking forward to watching him run the Land Sharks uh, athletic program. And, and he, I'm sure he'll he'll dive into a lot of academic stuff as well because you can see his, his spectrum of uh, the resume very strong there as we were just live, Eugene, of course, uh, with a man that you know extremely well. I've had a chance to meet him a couple of times and shake his hand. Uh, before all this uh, COVID-19 and social distancing happened, and I appreciate it. We're going to take you up on the offer. We'll be back 
on the campus of the Oceanside Land Sharks real soon uh, as we're doing the virtual tour now. We're, we're taking the bus over there. Uh, and, and we've parked it because we've got a couple more guys from the Land Sharks, from the tank, that are going to come out. But we're heading to the weight room. Let's get stronger. But do, before we do that, we want to thank the uh, athletic director, Coach uh, Mark Myers, who joined us uh, there on uh, the show with us for 30 solid minutes, a great interview, a great opportunity to get to know him just a little bit more. And now we're going to take a quick break. We come back, Eugene. We're going to head to the weight room over the Land Sharks uh, tank, if you will, there. We're going to be joined by uh, Evan Gates, Coach Gates, uh, coming up right out of this, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio, guys. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman, alongside the coach Eugene Benton. This is Southern Sports Central, 732 here on the East Coast in Somerville, South Carolina, coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. As uh, we head now back to the hotlines, this segment brought to you by our friends over at Gurns Pharmacy, located at 140 South Main Street in downtown Somerville. The phone number to call them, 843-873-2531. You can find them on the Internet at GurnsPharmacy.com. Make sure when you drop by, stop by, say hello to them, and let them know you heard it right here on Southern Sports Central. Now, 
we head back to the hotlines, and we're going to get a little stronger, not only physically, mentally, and find out what is behind all the madness of a strength and conditioning coach. Of course, without doubt, now we head back to the tank where we'll be in here with, uh, well, Coach Evan Gates. Coach Gates, what's up, buddy? How are we doing? How are we doing? We're doing good, man. I tell you, you'd be proud of me. I've been running, bro. I've been getting it in. I'm getting four miles a day, 500 crunches, 500 push-ups. Uh, I take off on Sunday unless I run the bridge, and that means I take off the following Monday, right? Is that kind of – that's a fair trade-off, right? Wow. That's that's a trade-off. <laughs> you do that every day? Well, I do four miles a day. I do four, four miles a day. So I start Monday, and, and then I finish up on Saturday, right? And, and I run in my neighborhood um, up here in Somerville uh, four miles. I've got two different paths that I've got to figure it out because my thing is, my ADD doesn't let me like to see the same thing over and over again, so I wouldn't be good running <laughs> circles on track. So I'm, across, I'm the cross-country guy, and so unless it's a shootout. Now, I can do that quick little, like, like get me from here to there. I'm good with that, like a drag strip. But, Definitely. Uh, so I do four miles a day, and, and, and I kind of wrap it up downtown Somerville where I run four miles. But I, I kind of go five miles. I just don't say anything. Because uh, the hardest part is that first mile. Then I feel like, well, shoot, I'm already a mile under my Yeah, mile. that's I mean, the hardest the part is just to start it. Right, right. But, man, I tell you, you, you build them over there, man. I mean, you know, let's brag a little bit about, you know, you've got a running back over there. You know, he came small a couple of years ago. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a little bit of muscle mass. He's getting it, you know, he's getting it together. Going to go play at UNC Charlotte. And I know head coaches get all the love, brother, but I'm going to tell you, man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a gym guy. You know, I, I appreciate what the strength and conditioning guys do, um, you know, and, and I love to see them in college on the sidelines and their towels and, their, and just their intensity. And I had the chance, actually, to watch you. If I'm not mistaken, at Woodland this past year, you guys went up there and did like a, a, a scrimmage with them and a couple of other schools in the preseason. But just to see your intensity, man, you demand respect. You don't ask them for nothing. You're, you're a strength and conditioning guy. You know, you, you, you wish they would challenge you, right? I mean, that's kind of a dream come true for a guy like you, right? Yes, sir. It is a dream come true. Now, first off, I truly love what I do, man. So that's why it's so easy to do with the passion. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's when it's just such enjoyment going through your body sometimes, just the raw emotion comes out. And um, the emotion that I have, quite frankly, I can get a great response out of my guys. They work hard. They buy in, and we take care of business. Well, I want to tell you this, Coach. You're the first strength and conditioning coach we've had on. Okay, so uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, you're the, you get to be that first guy. We had a principal for the first time on Sunday, which was really neat. Never been. I've been in that principal's office a lot growing up as a kid. I was a challenging kind of guy, man. I always ask that question, why? And, it usually led me somewhere around the principal's office. That's why. But uh, so give her my office was pretty cool, and now I have a guy like you in, which I got you got to kind of work with me a little bit. And I've got some 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 health questions I am going to ask you tonight on the air because you know we, we are kind of quarantining a little bit and we're losing our muscle a little bit because we're not really putting some of the weights on and we're not sitting here doing certain things. Where like me, I'm running, so I, while I'm losing weight, I'm also feel like I'm losing muscle a little bit, even though I'm doing. 500 crunches and 500 push-ups a night. And I don't do it all at once for somebody that challenged me over the weekend. I was like, look, dude, I just do 500, okay? It might take me 20 or 30 minutes, but I get it done, right? And that's the key. Uh, what do you say to these guys and girls who, you know, don't have the, the in-house, you know, weight room? that We saw one of your football players, by the way, build in the garage, which I think is incredible. But uh, for the guys who don't have that opportunity and the girls that don't have that opportunity, what do you suggest so they keep that muscle but also kind of keep a little bit of that weight coming into this new 2020 season? Well, the first thing, um, Richie, it starts with your diet, man. And I had expressed to all the athletes that I trained that it doesn't matter what you do, 
um, when it comes to, you know, lifting and all that, it, you know, won't get nothing accomplished if you're not fueling the machine. So once I express them that, you know, take care of your diet, make sure you have an adequate amount of protein coming in because you can't build the muscle you want to have unless you have the building blocks you want to have to get there. So I give them the breakdown of, hey, this is how much protein is going to be required in your daily diet to, uh, you know, either gain or stay where you're at. And once they get a great, you know, understanding of that, I express them, hey, now let's sleep eight hours. So, you know, let's, let's eat the right things and let's recover the right way. So um, during this quarantine, I said, guys, it's big time that you still keep structured through your day. It's very easily to uh, to stay up all night playing video games, having that blue light explode next to your eyes to one in the morning. So, you know, I want to make sure my guys are still keeping some type of routine to their day and getting eight hours. And after that, you know, we actually talk about the work they're going to put in. Um, so anyone out there that's trying to stay busy, biggest thing that you're doing, if you want to at least stay or maintain, just make sure what you're doing is progressive. And what I mean by progressive, you want to make sure that, you know, if you're able to do 500 push-ups, you know, for a month, maybe next month you want to do 550 push-ups, you know, just allowing yourself to take that next step, take that next step. So I want to make sure my guys aren't beating their head on the wall with what they're doing um, when it comes to these at-home workouts and, you know, push-ups, you know, air squats and, you know, chin-ups. And all can be progressive, you know, when you, you know, get down to the science of it. And that's what I have to break down to my guys sometimes. It's like, hey, you know, you know, muscle fibers are easy to train if you can just think of it this type of way. And sometimes I might grab a band to help express that. But just make sure, you know, when it's do this, make sure, hey, I'm going to try to make this as hard as I can, these 10 push-ups this week. So maybe I try holding the bottom of that push-up position for 30 seconds. Then the next week I go 40 seconds. Then maybe the, you're able to do 15 push-ups, you know. So just making things hard for yourself and making it progressive during this time is big. We're live right now with the strength and conditioning coach over there at Oceanside. He doesn't work just with football. He works with everybody. He's kind of like the athletic director, wears multiple hats, has multiple athletes with multiple opportunities. And uh, we're excited to get Coach Gates in here, one of many. And he's going to be our go-to guy in a lot of ways. Is He's talking to you. He's talking to, to moms and dads. I mean, you know, Coach Gates, this isn't just for the athletes. This is for, for everybody who's having to be quarantined. I mean, one of the unfortunate places that you don't want to probably be during this situation is the gym. I would imagine that being at a barbershop because you're literally in somebody's face doing what you do. But, you know, as you look at this and, and you see the struggles and you see some of the things they deal with, like you say, the video games is kind of one of the things right now that, that you, uh, you battle the most against. Uh, what made you, by the way, get into the strength and conditioning? You know, of course, I know this is something that goes back to your childhood and all the way through your colleges and stuff like that. You did come down with Coach Greer, who I believe you played for in high school. Tell us a little bit about who is Coach Gates, where did you come from, and, and what made you come down to Charleston? Yeah, man, I don't mind, you know, giving you a brief overview. So, um, yeah, long story short, you know, I, I kind of played for Coach Greer way back in the day. Um, I grew up right outside of Charlotte, you know, born and raised in Charlotte there. Charlotte, North Carolina, um, lived in the same house for 18 years, right out north of Charlotte. Um, went to uh, Davidson Day my junior senior year. My older brother actually graduated from Davidson Day. It was a second graduating class. Um, it was actually uh, going to be Coach Greer's inaugural first varsity season I was a part of at Davidson Day. Um, I had the pleasure of being a part of. And, you know, seeing him build that program and seeing him, you know, win the state championship his first year and win the state championship in the second year, which I was a part of, you know, I was really blessed to take away some life lessons there that allowed me to do what I'm doing today. Um, so I played for him there days and day, learned a lot from him. Then I went off to college and played at Tuscaloosa University where I played a, a variety of positions. Um, 
you know, freshman year, sophomore year, you know, I played corner, linebacker, finishing the year the year off at the senior year off at wide receiver. But where I really fell in love with strength and conditioning there, Richie, um, probably right around that eighth grade year. The eighth grade year, um, I always I had an older brother and I had two older brothers and they were always bigger than me. And one summer, one summer they just they just you know they just picked on me. They just get, gave it to me. They just gave me a really hard time. And, you know, my, my, my buddies would always lift weights. And I'd say, hey, maybe if I get stronger, you know, I can put up a fight against my older brother. So, you know, they challenged me in certain areas. <laughs> and then once I, once I touched that iron there, buddy, I got a little bit stronger. You know, my shoulders got a little bit broader. You know, I kind of loved it. And then I could see how I was improving my on-the-field ability. And it was always making sense to me. You know, I was like, hey, if I can train myself in this area, I can become better on the field here. And once I started putting two, to, two together and getting four there, um, it just it just became a passion at a very young age. I remember one Christmas when I was thirteen, man, I, I asked for a weight set and I got it. And I still actually have it to this day back in my parents' house and I still use um, when I wow. come home. So it was really cool there. No doubt about it. Very cool to have you in here with us, Coach Gates joining us all the way from the tank over at Oceanside, the land shark, getting stronger, faster off the field before they even hit the field here. And, again, you know, you guys don't have the biggest weight room, all right? We, we, we've seen that. Eugene and I have seen that. But I'm going to tell you what, you guys don't – that doesn't keep you guys from getting the bigger athletes. When I told Coach Call, by the way, uh, when he was the coach over at Somerville, I came over there and we were in the gym and I looked at Coach Call and I looked at the uh, defensive coordinator over there and I said, guys, you're not going to like this. But I'm telling you what, Oceanside's got some man-child over there. I mean, these guys are uh, <laughs> quite the um, – quite the interesting uh, guys. I mean, they've got offensive linemen. I said, listen to this number. I swear, six foot five, 290 to 300 pounds, average, average. And there's their, like, little baby Jacob over here. That's a baby shark, okay? This guy's a sophomore. Yeah. Don't talk about Seabuck and all these other kids that I'd hate to feed them. Who, who feeds these offensive linemen? I hope that's not your responsibility. And talk a little bit about that weight room and why it's not – you don't have to have the biggest weight room to have the strongest athlete, Coach. Yeah, it's not it's not always about having the biggest weight room when it comes to uh, having the athletes. I and mean, you don't always need the the big shiny toys. You need good old fundamentals when it comes to getting strength. When it comes to strength training, and that's why I stress to my guys. And I, and I, first thing I had to do, they reach you over at Oceanside. I had to express them the buy-in. Say, hey, we work hard in here because hard work does work, as Chad Greer says. You know, then we will we will see results. And I had to express to them that it wasn't going to be easy, and that it's going to come through. Um, consistent, you know, excellence. And it's not going to be let's work hard on Tuesday and take a day off on Thursday. I said, hey, if we throw in a consistent manner, guys, we're going to get stronger. And once guys started looking around and seeing guys get bigger, you know, it was like a ripple effect. It was like a wave effect. It was just it took off from there. So once we got that buy-in, you know, these guys saw that, hey, we don't need, you know, we don't need the biggest weight room. We, we, have, we have the weight we need, and let's just get stronger. So it's a lot of fun. Sometimes we get so lost in the – your creativity of the program and guys training, we don't look up and see what we don't have. We worry about where we're going to go and get that season. We're live right now with Coach Gates from Oceanside, strength and conditioning coach, not only building them strong in the body, building them strong in the minds. And, uh, Coach, uh, I'm excited, man. I love the passion. I love the attitude and, and, and just the energy that you're bringing not only to the show, but I've seen you on firsthand there. And, uh, of course, uh, I got a chance to be a part with you guys, Coach Greer welcomed me on the field over there with y'all during the holidays. And one of the best feelings, and you know this from playing the game as well, is practicing during when? Thanksgiving. That weekend is kind of elusive, oh, man. man. Only the special gets to practice that weekend, man. Tell us what it was like for you to play 
And, and were you there when, I guess, Will, his son, Coach Greer's son, was there? Did you play with him and, and kind of talk a bit about your days of playing and what it's like now to coach during that special time of year? You know, um, it's kind of surreal, man. I, I get goosebumps just even thinking about it, better yet talking about it. You know, back in high school, right. um, Coach, Greer, Coach Greer stressed to us, like, hey, you know, back in July, he said the goal is to work hard now so that comes Thanksgiving, you know, there's not going to be a lot of teams not, there's not going to be a lot of teams practicing, but it'll be us, you know, because of the work we put in now. And so that was always a goal, you know, even when I was growing up, practicing on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, because that means you're deep in the playoffs and you're probably on the brink of playing in the state championship, the ultimate goal of why we compete. So um, then now to experience it as a coach, um, you know, it's, just, it's very humbling. It's very humbling to, to feel and be a part of, just feel really thankful. And the boys, when they, when they were experienced, you know, it was just, it was so it's so satisfying. They they worked so hard to get there, and it paid off. So it was just very uh, it was very gratifying. It was very humbling, and it was, it was a really cool thing to be part of practicing on Thanksgiving Day. Well, Coach Gates, I'm going to turn you over to Eugene, but I, I of course uh, I'll wrap it up with you here before we send you off at eight o'clock and bring in another guy uh, right after you. The new JV coach uh, is going to join us. Uh, of course, he's also uh, retained there on the staff and decided to come back and, and be a part of, uh, like I mentioned earlier, man, he's a brother of mine. He's much more than a coach, much more than a guy that I got to do Friday night games for and, and do the coach's corner and spend a lot of time off the air. And, you know, you, when, you, when you're the voice of a radio show or a voice of, of a school, you got to know these guys inside and out. And that head coach is the one-stop shop. And, of course, uh, for you and Coach Hill to stay behind, I, I want to say this to you personally. Thank you for staying there, staying home and, and helping Coach Call build this program and take it to the next level because that's, that's the job of the new guys to always do. But he couldn't have been any more blessed by having you and, of course, Jalen, who's uh, the new JV coach and also a, a coach over there on the varsity. But – for you two guys, I appreciate it. And any other guys that stayed there and uh, still see this vision. And trust me, I'm going to give you my stamp of approval on this guy, man. He's he's A1A, man. He's beachfront property when it comes down to he's a family man. And uh, you guys got a good deal over there with Coach Call. And I know you personally uh, are, 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 of course, uh, he's lucky to have you as well. But I do appreciate you. And uh, Eugene, he's all yours, buddy. That's awesome, man. Coach Gates. You know, glad to have you on. You know, it's something we talked about for a little while uh, back when, uh, you know, the, the I guess the whole staff was still assembled and whatnot. But, you know, I know things have changed. And, you know, I don't know. I guess I haven't texted you about that. But uh, I had a meeting with Coach Call last Friday. I'm going to be joining the uh, the group kind of as a limited role as a consultant. But, you know, I'm really happy to, to have that role and be a part of the program uh, uh, in, in, as an I guess had an arm's length uh, kind of thing as a consultant, but, um, you know, just love the kids and love what you're doing, man. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about, you, you and I texted or, or called earlier and texted a couple times today. You know, um, one thing I want to get into, and I, I know this is kind of a moniker or kind of a, a thing that you started, you know, and it's, I don't necessarily agree with it, and I know the kids didn't agree with it, the parents didn't agree with it, you didn't agree with it. I just remember the very first time, you know, you were introduced to the coaching staff. You kind of sat at the end of the table there. Your hat brim was down low. You got that big smile, but, you know, you kind of have that, that tough face, man. And uh, I know I know you know what I'm talking about um, and where I'm going with this. Uh, tell us what, what it takes to be a quote-unquote bad boy in the program and in the weight room. I, I know that's something that you started – you know, you bred into the kids, you know, football's a tough sport. And you got to be mentally tough, physically tough, 
But uh, tell us about that bad boy culture you created. You know, and, and bad boy doesn't mean, you know, you're out breaking rules. Just tell us about that toughness, that, that, that bad boy uh, mantra that you've instilled in kids. Yeah, yeah, Eugene, <laughs> and I appreciate you bringing this up and um, the way you did. It was quite funny, but um, no, um, the, the bad boy mentality, and it's kind of funny you mention it because we never, we never sit down, and I never, I never looked them in their eyes and said, "You got to be a bad boy." You know, it's kind of, it's kind of, just kind of who you are from what you do. And when I expressed to them, I said, "This is who we will not be, and this is who we will be," and kind of the person and the team. I said, "This is who we will be." it kind of fit that mode of the bad boy. And I felt our team just had it improve in some areas and those areas we improved in, you know, it showed, you know, our team was very tough. Our team was gritty and our team was very, 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 you know, just starving. And it was, they were just so, they were just the need, the need to get better. They, they, it was there for a lot of them. And, um, you know, I could throw anything at them. I could throw anything at them, you know, you know, and it's like they could get punched and get back up and they could get punched and be back up. You know, you always want to go to fight with that one guy who goes, he gets knocked down, he gets back up. He gets knocked down, he gets back up. And it's kind of like a bad boy because, you know, it's like, man, this kid, this kid is just a, he's just an, he's just a, a fly, you know. So, you know, and our kids, you know, took that and they ran with it. And I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, looking back on the season, it was, it was really something to be proud of and we're looking to get better. And, and and how that leads into this was, uh, you know, you're the, you were always the hype man. You know, the ones that the coaches and the kids would just feed off of. You know, at, at the start of a game, you were the ones leading. You know, the the stretches and the workouts, and you know, uh, you're you're quite famous for uh, ripping off some article of clothing, uh, mostly a shirt or a jersey or something like, uh, not not a jersey, but a, a a tank top or something like that. You know, it could be 40 degrees and raining. You know, it could be 32 degrees and pouring rain and uh, you're the one that, that, that gives the, uh, the quote-unquote, the juice. And that's one of the cheers that you've always led, whether it be on the practice field or, or pregame. And, uh, you know, part of, it, part of it is getting that mind right. You know, get your mind right, get your body right. And so uh, talk a little bit about getting your mind right before you get that body right as, as a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, that, that might be one of my top two phrases that I might just shout out, get your mind right. You know, Eugene, is, you know, as a leader sometimes, you know, I, I tell myself daily, you know, are you going to be a thermostat or are you going to be a thermometer? Are you going to set the tempo or, you know, are you just going to be the guy in there who kind of just goes off and can read back to, you know, and, you know, and I'm a firm believer of, hey, I, I need to be the one to, you know, show the guy at the bar, the bar's here, the energy level's here, you know, the how we're going to do things with the focus and the attitudes here. So, you know, it was kind of uh, – it was just very contagious. Some of the leaders took that and they ran with it, and that became a kind of the culture of our team. And you know, I had to lead by example. And um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It's not always going to be the prettiest, nicest thing. Sometimes you know, you might have to. You know, you might have to do what you have to do. And that's all I'm going to say. My, and if there's any Oceanside boys listening right now, I'm sure they're thinking of thousands of stories that we've gone into where we had to redo drills over again. And there's been, you know, you know, clipboard you know, at the ground, and sometimes you got to catch their attention, you know, and they, and they respond very well to some of those things. I'm just very fortunate to have kids that buy in and are hungry to get better. Yeah, and, and being a part of that, you know, it, it honestly, it hides up the coaches too, you know. I, I was always the one that was glued to Greer's side on the sidelines during uh, during pregame and set up and operations and on the field as well. But, uh, 
you know, it, it kind of bled over into the coaches, man. Everybody just kind of followed your your pickup, your your pregame, your hype. You know, it just kind of gets the juices going, the blood flowing. Um, and it was such a, a great atmosphere to be a part of, you know, as as you well remember going on the road for every playoff game. You know, we had to go to somebody else's house. And so you had to lead the kids into somebody else's house, you know, uh, on the road and get them juiced up. And it's just – it was an incredible experience, and uh, you know, every game you brought something new. So, tell us, talk to us about that. You know, do, do you just sit around and come up with something new, or is it just come natural to you? Is it something that's just part of you that just comes out at that moment? You know, Eugene, I want to sit here and tell you I got this big, long uh, you know, algorithm of how I come up with these things. But you know, sometimes, you know, all from the books you read and the quotes you hear. It's just in you sometimes from the experience you've gone through as a kid. It kind of just made you who you are today, you know. And it has a lot to do with Chad Greer and, you know, playing for him as a high school athlete and a high school football player. It, you know, it was, and that's why it was such a, such a, it was such a blessing to sit here. And I had one year with him here at Oceanside, but, you know, you know, lifelong, you know. And, and I really appreciate that. And I learned so much. So it was great to sit here and, you know, give back to what he was, I was given from him and, you know, just given from the game of football. So, you know, when it comes to Friday night and goes to playing on the road, you know, it, it reveals a lot about the team on how they play on the road. And, you know, you, and I had to teach the kids that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's home or away. You have a job to get done. You have a task to get done. And that's form at a, at a high level, at a high level. It doesn't matter if it's raining outside. It doesn't matter if it's hot outside. You have a job to get done. And, you know, you know, it just came out. It just came out and didn't come out from necessarily a strategic plan, but it just came out and got the job done, and I, hey, it worked, and I'm like, I was excited for it. Well, a couple more things I want to touch on before we let you go. Uh, we got about about four or five minutes. Um, you know, you coached a, uh, had, last year, uh, you coached a position group uh, on the varsity level, so I want you to talk about that. But also, too, as the head strength and uh, the only strength and conditioning coach there at Oceanside, you coach all the sports. So, you know, whether it be Coach Meyer was just in earlier with the ladies' soccer team or the football or baseball or lacrosse, you know, talk to us about what you do for all the athletes as well as uh, your position group there that you led on, on the football team. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I am the head strength conditioning coach for Oceanside, you know, not just for football, so – I train uh, – We here at Oceanside, we have 19, 19 sports, 26 teams. There we go. 19 sports, 26 teams. So, between JV and Varsity, we have 26 teams. And, you know, my first year here at Oceanside, I told myself that, hey, I wanted to create a buy-in for training. I want the athletes at Oceanside to know that training in the weight room and training, you know, training your body and training your mind and taking care of your, your you know, your, your nutrition and getting the sleep, you know, it has to come from a place. So, I try to become that catalyst there and, you know, that buy-in across from girls basketball, girls across, you know, boys soccer, boys across. And, um, you know, because I do believe that athletes, especially at a young age, do need some form of strength training. Um, so I was really, really uh, grateful there to provide that because, um, you know, my day could look anywhere like from girls soccer in the morning to boys across in the afternoon and finishing the day with uh, boys football. So, it's really, it's really, it's really uh, exciting to having the uh, having the chance to not only stay with football, but to experience some challenges and to overcome challenges with other teams. So it's really, uh, really rewarding. Yeah, and uh, the, like like I said, you know, the position group. I know you work uh, 
creating some uh, toughness with the linebackers. Talk to us a little bit about the, uh, you know, coaching on the football team and, and the position group coaching and kind of, you know, the mindset and what you teach and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, ocean side, I coach linebackers. You know, we had the Mike Will Sam, and um, and uh, it, it was uh, it was really it was really good. It was really good. We had we had to go over certain drills and do certain things to, to prepare. But it was a really I had a young group of guys this year. I had two sophomores that started about eighty five percent of the year. So you know, having to have them prepared for a varsity game, um varsity game every Friday night and to, you know, to make plays and to make big plays when it counted, you know, only challenged me as a coach. And I really appreciate that from them. They bought in, you know, and I had to still, every day after practice, we had this routine. We had this routine every day after practice. And my kids will tell you what we do after practice. We'll run a gasser. And they would never know how many we will run. We'll run one gasser, one, three gas, we run four gassers. We run maybe nine gassers. And it wasn't necessarily a form of punishment, but it was a form of, Hey, you know, we always want some more, you know, we always want some more. We always need to be ready for some more because I had to let my guys know that, you know, playing that middle of the field position where you have to stop the run at fourth and one, that's our job. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we have to go 95 yards, we should want some more. If, you know, the offense goes through and out, you know, it doesn't matter. We want some more. So keeping my guys prepared was a big thing. And I think that I stress this year and it was a really cool thing to be part of. And one thing I want to ask you before we let you go, um, you know, it, it's really tough right now because of the almost like the no contact rule when you should be, you know, in spring training or, or finishing up some spring training with, the, you know, with the team. Um, but, you know, as as the head strength and conditioning guy, you know, a lot of the head coaches are looking at you to as being the person that can kind of, you know, help keep their teams from falling off and building on that. You know, a, a little bit about what you're doing now as far as uh, – you know, helping athletes kind of stay in shape and, and do the best they can do, you know, since your weight room is closed. And, uh, you know, just kind of give us an idea of, of what it's like right now with uh, trying to help athletes maintain and, and still continue to build and not lose uh, what they what you built on for the past year. Definitely, definitely. So biggest thing uh, there, I just had to stress, you know, how much it was actually it was between the ears. So I had to explain, I explained to them, hey, you know, we got to hold each other accountable first off. We had to, we have to, hey, you, you know a guy that has been playing video games all night, staying in his house, not getting outside, not, not doing his, his home workout, then, hey, you know, give him a text, give him a shout, invite him over to train with you. So I had to express some, hey, accountability. And I ex- express some ownership on how they own a part of our program and what they do, it will affect our outcome at the end of the season. I said, you all own stake in our program. And if you, what you do during this time, if you do nothing to – you know, really benefit us from your ownership approach is not going to allow us to be successful at the end of the season. So once I explained to him accountability and ownership, I had expressed to him how it looks to work out at home, how it's important to have a routine, and it's just not when you do it, you do it. So, um, you know, I had done a couple got a couple things. And as a coach, you know, they wanted to see, I'm sure, you know, during tough times that, you know, when we're on the road and it's raining, how can you adapt? You know, this is a challenge. You know, COVID-19 is a mess. But, you know, it's our job as coaches to be able to adapt with change and be able to still be successful. And um, I just had to express to my kids that, hey, you know, I know this corona is going on, but we have to adapt, guys, and we're going to have to learn to adapt, you know, during the season. We had to adapt last year with some things. So being very adaptable and explaining to them ownership and accountability and just, you know, sending them simple things, you know. A lot of guys don't have a lot of tools, and some guys do have tools. So we, some guys had to get creative. You know, I put a lineman, put some center blocks on a, you know, a piece of rebar and lay down on a, 
the ground and press it off the ground, then that's pretty cool. Then some guys fill it up their bag with, you know, big cans or, you know, laundry detergent and did some air squats. So I just, you know, was able to give them a blueprint and what that looks like and the, how you guys can be creative and explain to them how, how that might affect us if they do or don't do it um, for the season. And I think some guys are buying it. I'm getting some great videos. I'm excited when we do get back to work. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time, man. We're up against the uh, 8 o'clock break, and, uh, you know, Jalen's coming in next. But uh, just wanted to say thank you for your time. And uh, anytime you guys want to get together and, and have another meal, you know, where I live, and uh, the house is always open to you guys. Love having you over and being able to cook for you. And, uh, you know, always uh, watch that health, you know, when I'm, when I'm cooking, I always watch it as strength and training coaches coming, you know, what I put it on the table because it has to be high protein, you know, some good carbs and, uh, no fried foods, man. But, um, you know, it was great uh, being able to have that uh, fellowship with you guys and, uh, looking forward to having you on again. And, uh, just want to say best of luck, best, best of health to you guys. And, uh, you know, ready to, ready to see what you can do, uh, going into the summer when they ever, you know, that, that gate comes open, man. And just want to thank you for your time and, uh, say God bless. I, I know you do a great job. I know the kids love you and you're a big part of, you know, the program and, you know, the kids and the parents, you just, you know, we're all, uh, I hope Coach Gates stays, man. He he influenced my life so much and just, uh, you know, I've heard that many, many times and just, uh, you know, I love you, brother, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you, Gene. Love you. Appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Well, I tell you what, man, what a great interview. Coach uh, Gates joining us all the way from the tank, and I tell you what, he's shown me. By, by 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 proof in the pudding, if you will, on the field that it doesn't have to be the biggest weight room to have the strongest athletes. Those cats are the real deal. The offensive line takes a lot of credit for uh, that running back that they had back there uh, running for men, Keegan Williams. Of course, without the front line, uh, it starts there, and everything else kind of goes around uh, that nucleus. And uh, trust and believe me, he's got a lot of power to it. Eugene, uh, we are going to go to break, and we do have uh, the new. JV coach of the Land Sharks coming in. He's also a member of the uh, the varsity staff as well coming up here next. Uh, Jalen Hill will join us. But Coach Gates mentioned this. Uh, I'll tell you this. You'll know in August who was all in and who was all out. because The proof will be right there in front of you, whether they're gassing for air or looking for some of that more. And when he said that, I could only think of remember the Titans. Remember that when they kept saying, we want some more, give us some more. That's, that kind of came to mind there. So, uh, Coach Gates, I know you're still on. Uh, you know, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you bring to Southern Sports Central, but what you do to the to the athletes, not just the football players, because you, you get an opportunity to work with all of them. I appreciate it because you do not have an offseason. That's not a word in your vocabulary. So thanks for all that you've done uh, going forward, and we look forward to getting you back in here with us, Coach. All right, so we're going to quick break, you, and we come back. You got it, buddy. We'll come back. We're going to check in with the new JV coach. He's also a coach on the staff of the varsity and much more. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. That's two hours in the books. Coming back, hour number three. Two in the books and three on the way as we are at hour number three on Southern Sports Central. And, again, we echo the factor that there's always, and I mean always, something to talk about in the world of sports. That's just uh, blasphemy, if you
if you're speaking about nothing to speak about here on the sports world. As we're going to, in just a few, bring in the new JV head coach over there at Oceanside. And the tank is he will join us over there on the Kent Farm Hotline. He's also one of the coaches on the varsity staff. That's how that works out because he's got to be up under Coach Call close enough to, to understand the path and run it to the way that they run it on varsity. I mean, there's that, that, that huge connection that's got to be put in place. But before that, we'll say this segment brought to you by our friends over at Simmons Barbershop. It's the oldest barbershop in Somerville, located at 139 in North Main Street, Somerville, South Carolina. Number to call is 843-873-2861. Hopefully the barbershops will open soon. I'm sure it's going to be as busy as some of the weight rooms as uh, there's probably a lot of people with these quarantine haircuts. And without further ado, I'm going to bring in Coach Hill and ask you, Coach, first of all, thanks for coming back on the show. But uh, how about you, man? You rocking one of those quarantine haircuts, or uh, have you found a local barber uh, yeah. to make house calls? Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm glad my mom's on around because she would hate to see my hair right now. Uh, I definitely need a haircut, uh, that's for sure. Well, we're glad to have you back, man. This is first, second, third of many, man. We're going to get you in and, and have you on a regular basis here because we care as much about the junior varsity and the B teams and the C teams and any other teams around the country when it comes to football. Man, it's still football. The games are still played uh, between the lines there, and the, the, the yards are all the same, just a couple of different dudes with some different jerseys. But uh, let, let's go ahead and uh, welcome you back to the show. And uh, tell us, man, how excited are you about this new opportunity? And, and introduce yourself. Uh, who are you? Where did you come from? Where did you play? What did you do? And what lands you at Oceanside? Um, yeah, one, I'm very excited, very grateful for Coach Call for trusting me with this opportunity to coach the junior varsity team. I mean, that's the, the future lifeblood of the program, right? So, you know, to have that responsibility, uh, you know, says a lot about his trust in me and uh, what he thinks of my ability. Um, where I come from, uh, single mom home. Uh, my mom is, you know, my world, um, you know, most important uh, person to me. She's uh, uh, in the Army, 27 years in, uh, an attorney. Uh, I went to high school, James Island, uh, played football four years, played for, under Coach Patterson. Um, he really molded uh, a lot of who I am as a man. Uh, I would be, would not be where I am without him. Uh, also, you know, my friends that I still have from there, uh, Chad Hamilton, he was a two-time All-American at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Terrell Brown, he's honestly the hardest working person I've ever met. So, like, all these people that have been in my life, you know, throughout high school, college, law school, um, you know, they kind of shape who I am. Uh, I wouldn't be anywhere I am without, you know, them and, you know, other influences in my life. Um, after, after high school at James Island, I went to Coastal Carolina. Uh, I, I worked intramural sports, which kept my love of sports, my love of being around uh, athletics. Uh, I had a great boss, Jake Rosick, who really helped mold my leadership style, helped, helped me develop as a, a young, you know, young adult. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I have to give a shout-out to him because I also wouldn't be – where I am without him. After after college, I was fortunate enough to go to law school, uh, earn my law degree, like my mom. I've always wanted to be, you know, just like my mom. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to do that at the University of Baltimore. Um, after that, I stayed in Baltimore for a year, and then I moved back to Charleston, uh, 2018. Um, one of my college classmates, high school classmates, Devin Brown, who's actually funny enough, my roommate. Uh, he coached football at Oceanside, and he was like, hey, man, you know, we need some we need some help next year. What do you think about it? You know, he knows I love the game, wanted to be around the game. He introduced me to Coach Greer, and Coach Greer was, you know, 
gracious enough to give me the opportunity to coach uh, high school football. And, you know, I couldn't be more thankful for him and all that he's done for me. We're live right now with the head coach of the junior varsity program. And there was a land sharks, the up and coming sharks uh, on campus there. And that's a big role. You mentioned that. And I'm going to give you props there, uh, Coach Hill, as he joins us here on the show to uh, kind of break down the ups and downs and all around. And you just got a bio there from him, where he's been, where he's gone. And first, let me start off by thanking your mother for her service uh, and uh, all that she's given to our country, the sacrifices that she's made to to do the things that she's done and to protect all of us. And meanwhile, she's coming at it from a single mother role. And man, that, that's, that right there is as big as any award that I could give her right there, because I can only imagine, you know, it's the hardest job to do. And I salute all single mothers and all single fathers who are out there doing this on a day in and day out, working two or three jobs and doing the things, you know, because nobody else is going to do it. Right. And and, and I've seen you and you and I've known each other for a while, of course, uh, on the football field and talked a lot off the field. Um, so I'm excited about this opportunity for you. I also want to give a shout-out to your roommate, Devin Brown, of course, heading back home, heading back to James Island. And, and there's a lot of excitement there. I got a chance to be the voice of soccer for the Braves for a small smidget for one season, and then Somerville brought me back home to do it over at Somerville. But there's a lot of it, – it's passionate. It's an opportunity to do something that you love to do back in your own home and in a stadium that you played in uh, means a lot. And I'm excited for both of those coaches to go back to James Island. They're both great guys, uh, you know, and doing great things. Now, of course, you and Coach Brown played at Coastal. I grew up in Myrtle Beach. Uh, there was no football team at Coastal that played on that field. That used to be Conway's uh, football field, and the field was turned completely the other way around, and they called it the graveyard back in the day. So uh, a lot of connections that we got here. Uh, of course, I've had a lot of uh, love for James Island. It's a very similar, by the way. If you ever want to know what it's like to live, you know, in a community around Myrtle Beach, go to James Island. Very similar culture, very similar uh, people there in the community, uh, Coach Hill. So that's maybe why we all kind of get along as well as we do. But um, we're excited about this opportunity for you. What's the biggest thing that you're looking forward to? And and what is the one thing that you feel is going to be your biggest challenge taking this program over? Well, I I think, first off, Coach Birch did a great job over two years. I mean, he went 12-1. and leaving the program. He's fortunate enough to go with Coach Greer to um, Providence today. But, you know, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is just getting back around the kids, man, with all this going on. You, you don't realize, you know, like you, you as a coach are supposed to shape the kids, but teach you more about yourself than I think you could ever teach them. Um, you know, th- there's never a bad day when you're around 100 kids who are just happy to be out there playing football. I mean, you, there's no way you can have – a bad day. I mean, no matter what you're going through, if you're around those kids, you know, they're, they're so funny, they're energetic, they, you know, they love playing the game. So, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to get back around the kids and, um, you know, see what we can do on the field this year. Um, I forgot your last question. What was it? Say that again. What, is this your biggest challenge? Uh, looking for your biggest challenge, as you said, and I want to say yeah, this so, real quick, too, with Coach Birch, who has done a great job. He put you in a really great situation. He took that program – last year and, and they had what a great ride and we're going to miss him in the low country you know he's brought a lot of excitement and he's you know he may not be the tallest guy neither am i neither is eugene right but but yet what we bring is that energy all three of us and so uh you know we'll miss him on the sidelines and in our community here and of course we expect coach birch to check in and uh we wish him the best of luck as he's heading up there like you mentioned with coach Greer to privacy and day want to make sure we give the respect around but uh will you take a program like this uh, Coach Hill, and you've seen the success from last year. Like you say, you left this program and the JV program in a great shape. So you got big shoes to fill, 
right? So, so what's the biggest challenge that you see in 2020 as you become that man on campus? Well, the, the biggest challenge for me, I think, is, one, we're, we're playing a full JV schedule this year. I mean, we have eight games against eight really good teams, eight really good programs. You know, we're playing Goose Creek, which is a 5A school, Hanahan, which got, you know, Coach Art Craig, which is a known name in the low country in the state in the region. Um, you know, so I'm sure that he's going to have Hanahan rocking and rolling. And then, you know, we kind of get to the end of the year, our last game is against Lucy Beckham, which um, – and you know, that could be a rivalry, you know, down the road when they, you know, finally open the school and things like that. So I think the schedule is the biggest challenge. And, you know, with all that's the change that's going on with this, you know, unfortunate pandemic, the fact that we can't be around the kids as much as we want, you know, so it kind of puts everybody behind the eight ball of where you want to be. You know, right now we would be third, fourth day into spring practice and we're, you know, still on Zoom meetings as opposed to, you know, seeing the kids out there, getting them active, things like that. Dale, you got to answer my next question on the sheet here. I'm kind of going through the list here as we're live right now with Jalen Hill. He is the new junior varsity coach over there at Oceanside. He's also on the varsity coaching staff as well. Coach, so I'm taking it you are keeping in touch with him because that that school over there, I'm going to tell you what, very close, unified to the dads, the the moms, the students, the athletes, you name it. You guys have been Zooming for a long time. And, you know, as far as it being computer savvy, that school was kind of set up prior to all of this. I mean, I think you guys – were one of the uh, schools that kind of led the way in the low country as far as taking over from, from being uh, very computer savvy. So this was just another day in the office when you guys were told to go home and do your school studies and for, for your students and athletes to do that. So how much do you talk to your guys and how much have you kind of leaned on and, and, and kind of gone after maybe some of the captains? Uh, what's your angle here during this strange era? Yeah, so – yeah, so we talk uh, at least twice a week on Zoom meetings, um, and then, you know, they all have my phone number, so anytime they want to call, text, you know, my number's open, and I'll answer any time of the day, any time of the night, doesn't matter. Um, and then, you know, you, you really want to break it down to your position group. So on varsity, I coach the tight ends, uh, and we have two guys coming back, Dana Brunson and Carson Arnold, who are both studs. So, you know, I'm just keeping in touch with them, making sure they're working out, making sure they're their grades are on point. That's big for me. Uh, you know, having graduated law school, like it's always been stressed to me. If you if you can't get the grades, you can't play. So you know, just making sure that they stay in touch with that, and um, you know, just keeping in contact at least two to three times a week to make sure we're all on the same page of what they should be doing, what they expect from me. I give them drills. I give them, you know, motivational stuff. Anything that can help them get ready for when the season does come, it's going to come fast. So you know, we got to be ready to go as soon as it happens. Well, Coach, I'm going to turn you over to a guy that you know is very well. Uh, you've coached with him on the varsity level there. He did special teams and did special things. Now I brought him in here with me in the studio, of course. Uh, Eugene, go ahead, man. He's yours for the next 10. Hey, Coach Hill. Uh, glad to have you on, man. I, I know you've been uh, itching to come on for, for a few weeks, and uh, now that things the dust has, quote-unquote, settled and – You've uh, gotten this new role as the JV head coach and all this new stuff. Um, you know, just want to say I'm really proud of you. I'm really looking forward to big things. And, you know, I'll never forget that text I sent you and said, uh, you know, right after I, I know you texted me and said, man, I think there's a big announcement coming tomorrow. And I was sitting there going, I wonder what that is. You <laughs> know, And, uh, you know, you, you kind of kept it in. Uh, I know you and Coach Cola talked about that. And, uh, you know, you just were waiting until – you know, it, it was made official and whatnot. And uh, 
I know a lot of the kids were excited about that. And, you know, some of them hit me up and, and the parents and things like that. You know how much the dads play a role in this program and, and trying to get all the operations and kids where they're supposed to be and helping the coaches at, at, arm, at arm's length as much as they can. But, um, you know, one of the first things I said was, uh, you know, going into that and accepting that role as a JV head coach, you know, with Coach Birch had a 10-1 and one, or was it 11-1 and record and had beaten 4A schools on the road and, a 5A school on the road, and, you know, I said, you know, you know, a, a, as the coach, you got to come in and keep that, you know, we just had gates on, that bad boy mentality of, you know, we'll play anyone, anywhere, doesn't matter. You know, we're just looking to compete and looking to win, and we prepare all those kids to win. And, and I said, you know, is, is that your role? Is that what you accept? And you said, absolutely, no hesitation. And uh, so talk to us about that, you know, talk to us about, you know, your stamp, you know, what are you looking to, uh, to stamp on the JV program as the head coach? Well, first and foremost, you know, uh, thanks for having me on finally. But um, uh, my stamp, I guess, would be, you know, I don't – I'm not a good loser. I mean, there's – you know, my mom can tell you, my friends can tell you, I'm not good. I don't care. We could be playing the New York Giants with the JV team from Oceanside, I'm going to go in there and we as a staff, we as a team, we're going to prepare like we deserve to win. These kids with the work they do with Coach Gates, with the work they do with Coach Rivens, with the work they do with all the other coaches, Coach Call coming up soon, they've earned, they've earned the right to expect to win. That's what they've earned. They've earned the ability to say, you know, it doesn't matter who we play, we're going to go in and we're the better team. And these other dudes can be more athletic than we are. They can be faster than we are. They can be bigger than we are. It doesn't matter because when the clock strikes triple zeros, we're going to have more points than they are no matter how we have to get the job done. And so I, that's the mentality that I'm going to bring um, to the JV team is, you know, we're, we're not bowing down to anybody. I don't care if it's Deuce Creek. I don't care if it's, you know, Fort Dorchester. I don't, I don't care who it is. We'll play anybody anywhere. We'll play you in the parking lot. If we'll play you – you know, in the pool, it doesn't matter. If there's lines drawn and a football out there, we're going to play to win. So that's what I hope to bring in the type of leadership I uh, hope to instill into the kids. Yeah, and, and you know, that's building on the culture thing that, that we've had to the past few years is just that mindset of, you know, you might be, you know, the smaller kid, you might be the slower kid, but, you know, you can be the mentally toughest kid out there. You know, you're not going to quit. And, uh, you know, I had the great pleasure of being part of the program for three years. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to Coach um, – during the Coach Gates thing, at a meeting, you know, I'm, I'm going to join uh, as a consultant on a couple of days a week, you know, for Coach Call on the varsity level. And, uh, and I guess, you know, that filters down, obviously, to the JV level. And, you know, you know the guys that I have trained that are coming back and uh, they're looking forward to working under you and, and with you. Um, <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about – the JV program and, you know, because you have about 42 new kids coming in, you know, uh, if you could say something, those new kids coming in, I, I, I think you've had a chance to meet with them and talk to them via Zoom, but, you know, talk to them a little bit about what your expectations are coming in. My expectations are we're going to be the most prepared team every Thursday night. Every Thursday night we're going to be prepared to play no matter who the opponent is, that's through our work in practice, our work in the weight room, our work, uh, you know, film study, everything that we're going to do is going to be at an elite level. Everything needs to be at an elite level. If it's not, it's not good enough. And, you know, to steal from Sean McVay, 
the standard is a standard. And, you know, my, my high school coach used to say there's, there's no deviation from the standard. You either live up to the standard or you don't. And, you know, every day I'm going to go in and I expect the players to go in that there's a standard we live by and we either exceed the standard or we fell below the standard and we better exceed the standard every day. And I know from knowing you personally, uh, there was a big high school football game that you were a part of. Um, you guys were the severe, and that's a, probably an understatement, underdog in a very big high school game. I think you know which one I'm talking about. And you guys went there and knocked them off. And it was probably one of the greatest yeah. achievements at a high school level, you know, in state history to be that low of a seat to knock that team off. Talk to us a little bit about that and how that shaped you as a coach. Yeah, so uh, in high school, my senior year, um, we were we, we scored a lot of points, but we didn't stop a lot of people. Um, you know, I played on the offensive line, so I was lucky enough to be on the side that scored a lot of points. Um, and I, I'll tell anybody, I was the worst of the five that started on that offensive line, which a lot of people, not me, have said is the greatest offensive line in James Allen history. I was the worst of the five, but I was able to play because of my intellect, putting people in the right position, uh, knowing when a blitz is coming, you know, I made all of the slide protection calls, all the pass pro calls, all the run calls, everything that, you know, a quarterback would traditionally have. Uh, my high school coach was like, hey, it's yours. It's your show. You know, you've shown that you can do it, and, you know, it's yours to run with. So uh, we played – we were the 14 seed uh, going against the number three seed of Wren High School, which is up near Clemson. Uh, we were severe underdogs. It was their – year of redemption for their high school team. You know, they were a former power program and, you know, we're James Island haven't won a playoff game in 12 years and, you know, no one expects us to win. We barely snuck into the playoffs. And I mean, during the whole week, I just remember our coach Patterson saying, we're going to go up there and we're going to score 50 points and win the game. But the last play of the game, we're going to be the winners walking off the field and we're going to shock the entire state. And so all week, that's how we prepared. And, um, you know, we went up there and literally last play of the game, we scored, We went into overtime. We scored, kicked the extra point. They scored 56-55. Uh, they went for two in the win. Our defensive back came out of nowhere and knocked the pass down, and it was pandemonium uh, for a Charleston team up in Greenville. Uh, it shocked a, shocked a lot of people. Um, so I was very thankful to be a part of that. Uh, it's definitely a memory that I'll always have, and, you know, it's unfortunate the next week we played uh, some guy named Jadavion Clowney who ended up being the number one overall draft pick. But, uh, you know, it was a great – I had a great high school experience under Coach Patterson, so I couldn't be more thankful for him and, you know, the things that he taught me. And so that as an underdog, you know, as as a school that's a relatively new school, you know, Oceanside's only been playing football for – or as a school has only been around for four years, but – you know, most schools when we go in playing 4A, 5A, or, or, or whatnot, you know, it's always seen as kind of the, the underdog. Um, you know, how has that shaped you as a coach and what you lead your men onto the field? You know, uh, the game, you know, it's a battle. And so how do you lead your, your men on the field knowing that with that experience under your belt? Um, I, I, you'll hear me a lot. The players will hear a lot. I revert a lot of things to my mom. Uh, you know, she's my idol hero and, you know, she's always told me growing up, man, it, the world doesn't care. I mean, they're not going to care that we're the underdogs. So my message to the players is always me. They don't care that, like, we're the underdogs. No one's going to care. You either get the job done or you don't. So, you know, 
at James Island, we were able to get the job done as an underdog. And at Oceanside, we're going to get the job done. And we're going to get the job done because we're going to be prepared. And we're going to get the job done because we're going to be well coached. And we're going to get the job done because we have this family atmosphere that is unlike almost anything I've ever seen. I mean, we have so many, like Eugene, you know, like the Boylsons, the Swishers, the Maluskis, the Ashleys, the Seabucks, you know, Sahara Brooks and her husband, just so many, the Powells, so many families that are so invested in their kids' success that they just want to see every part of their kid and their kids' program, no matter if their child plays or not, want to team successful. And when you have that from a community, you know, it's something special and, you know, something you want to hold on to and something you want to cherish because it's rare. Um, you know, and that's honestly one of the biggest reasons I stayed uh, at Oceanside is because, you know, Coach Call being who he is, you know, he comes from a traditional national power and, you know, he's, he's bringing, you know, his experiences to what we already have. And it's just going to be this great, to me, this great huge family in the low country, almost, you know, connecting Somerville to Mount Pleasant to all this that, you know, we can be an unstoppable force if we do things the right way. Yeah, no doubt. And some of the people you have mentioned, uh, some of the parents that were texting me throughout the day when, when they heard you were coming on and, you know, they, they've tuned in and listened and, you know, um, it's a challenge because you have a bunch of new guys. And, and I know, you know, from, from working with uh, Coach Birch there, every year was a crop of new guys. New guys who have been either in middle school ball, you know, wasn't until this year that really the uh, the the C team and B team from from uh, you know Wando being being the Mount Pleasant um, public school, you know, had those kids. But you know, every year it was like a crop of new guys into a system. So you had to teach them a whole new system, all new calls, fit guys into positions, see where they're able to play, and that's a heck of a challenge because you have, you know, I think there was about forty two. I think new guys coming in to the program for football at Oceanside this year, roughly. And, um, you know, that presents a challenge because, you know, these guys have to buy into your system, learn your system. And now that you've not only had, you know, a shutdown of of the current JV guys and being able to work with them, but, um, you know, so what are you looking forward to the most with this new crop of guys coming in and the, uh, the JV guys that, that are still around and, uh, you know, not only, like, what are you looking forward to the most, but uh, what are you looking to, to to kind of instill in them and to, you know, look forward to this season and prepare them to uh, to be that team ready to roll? Well, I think, you know, although all this is happening, that makes it kind of fun, right? I mean, it's a challenge. And, you know, it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't hard because at the end of the day we can all look back and say, hey, we went through this global pandemic, but we came together as a family and as a community and we got through it. And, you know, football can be such a saving grace for a lot of people. It gives you a distraction for three hours on a Thursday or on a Friday night. Um, The thing I definitely look most look forward to is just, you know, I love watching players develop. I love watching them pick up something that they might not have gotten in August that in October, it starts to click, you know, it, it, it brings it back to last year. Um, my first year coaching. So as I'm growing, you know, the players are growing with me. So Joey Boylston, who you guys had on last week, that's, that's forever my guy. Um, And, you know, as I talked with coach Greer throughout the year, it seemed as I got better understanding Joey, he got better understanding how to play the tight end position. So as we, we just kept rising, all we did was, you know, keep growing and growing and growing and building upon. If you look at Joey from week one, 
against, you know, whoever against then look at Joey when we're going into the playoffs, it's a world of difference. I mean, he's unreal. I mean, he could play college football if he wanted to. He just happens to be, you know, D1 lacrosse player. So I think that's what I'm looking most forward to is watching the progression from August against Goose Creek to the final game against Wissy Beckham. So watching how the players grow and develop and how they get better is what I really would love to see. We appreciate your time. We had an 828, so we're about to head to a break and then, you know, take it back to the Spotlight 2020. We got uh, two wonderful soccer players coming in from uh, Somerville. But, um, you know, with with uh, those who are listening in from the JV team and, and those uh, folks who may be coming in, uh, give us your uh, your podium speech, you know, your, your uh, motivation speech. You know, what would you like to say to these guys before you um, – before you step aside and uh, jump off the radio tonight? Uh, what I would like to say is, man, we're just getting ready to roll. I mean, because when it comes, it's coming fast. And, you know, the JV team, you know, they're going to take the mantra of the varsity team of one more. I mean, we need to do one more rep. We need to play in one more game. We need to do whatever it takes because this JV team is going to be the future varsity team that, you know, we want to win state championships. That's the goal. It's, you know, it's, it's great to win a region title, and, you know, that's a goal too. But the main goal is I want our team to be in Columbia and then the Dr. High School League putting trophies around all of our kids' necks to say, you guys are state champions, you're the best in the state, and there's no doubt about it. So just get ready to work because we're coming to Columbia. So, man, well, I just want to say thank you for joining us and uh, thank you for your time. I know you got a busy schedule with all your varsity and JV duties and planning and you know all the strategic things that go in with that you know for the summer and getting ready for the fall but just appreciate your time man best of luck to you you know i know i'll see you around and uh and your roommate there Devin. uh he, he's a frequent visitor at the house over here and love to have you over uh, as soon as you uh you know can can make the time to come over and visit and have a meal over here uh, look forward to it man appreciate it thank you for having me on Man, always a pleasure getting in with these coaches, Eugene. Man, a great group, a great group of guys uh, who joined us already. Of course, uh, Jalen Hill is the new JV head football coach. He's also on the uh, the, the staff there with Coach Call on the varsity level. Uh, he's a five star guy, uh, and I think Coach Call did a great job of putting him in position. I mean, his mom, his mom's in the army. I mean, I mean, what better guy you won't run in your program than uh, somebody that was raised in the program, right? I mean, somebody that was raised to. To, you know, you got to cross your T's and dot your I's and do all the little things because that's what's going to get you to the big things. So I love the goal. I love the aspiration. And, and Coach Hill, we wish you the best of luck, man. Hey, look, that's just one of many. Uh, you're definitely going to become a regular here. And uh, we'll get you up to the studio and uh, we'll get the social distancing up in here. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, look forward to growing with you guys. I do want to take a minute and thank everybody at this point that's joined this course. Uh, we've been busy over at Oceanside, but the party bus has been hanging out over there on the campus with Oceanside's uh, athletic director that kind of started this thing off at the, uh, well, 7 o'clock hour as, uh, you know, he joined us here and, uh, and without a doubt did a phenomenal job uh, getting us updated on his new ventures and what all that he's going to be doing over there with the land shark coach Mike Myers. Uh, is the new athletic director. He's also the ladies' soccer coach over there with the Land Sharks. Then we got a little stronger with uh, Coach Evan Gates, and then Jalen Hill uh, wrapped it up on the uh, campus with Oceanside. He's the new JV head football coach, but he has a major role on the varsity staff as well. We got to go to break because we come back. We're uh, heading to Somerville, so the bus is on the move. It's heading 
back across the river and over into the woods as we go back into Somerville as uh, Somerville's high school long. Uh, the soccer coach has brought us two more ladies. I believe this is the final two seniors on this uh, roster here. Hannah McVicker and Caroline Brown will join us next coming out of break. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio, guys. I can't begin to know it, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Welcome back, everybody. want to welcome you into the final segment of Southern Sports Central's Cinco de Mayo version of uh, Cinco de Mayo's version of Southern Sports Central here. Uh, this segment brought to you by our friends over at Somerville Signs. 
you can give them a shout because they've got the best signs in the business. If you want to just decorate your yard and show this class of 2020 how much you love them, this is the best way to do it. Man, they will load you up and get you ready to rock and roll with these signs. And there's those nice square signs, the metal posts that go into the ground. That's a $25 charge. You can give them a shout here first thing in the morning at 843-779-5853. Again, the number to some of those signs. 843-779-5853. Let the guys and girls over there know that you heard about them right here on Southern Sports Central so they can get the word where it came from. They're always curious. Where'd you hear about it? Where'd you see it? You know, you always get those surveys, right? Uh, you want to do that. And even if you don't have a senior in your yard and you know the guy next door's got a couple of seniors, man, go buy one. It's $25. Go there and, and show a little love because, trust me, these kids appreciate it. Without further ado, though, it is time for us to head to the Senior Spotlight 2020. It's a feature that we have taken it by storm. And we have had students from all around the country, from the California coast to the South Carolina coast and in between. And now we're back to Somerville High School. Coach Baggett has done an incredible job. Coach gets uh, definitely a, uh, a team trophy here from Southern Sports Central. She has sent it every single one of her players. And, Coach, that is what we're talking about. That's what it's about, loving on your players on and off the field. And without further ado, I'm going to bring in two young ladies now, of course, that have done a great job representing the Green Wave on and off the field. They've done it in a classroom. They've definitely done it in a training room with the weights and all of that good stuff. So without further ado, we now bring in here Caroline Brown and Hannah McVickers. Uh, first, we'll go to Caroline. Uh, you know, I probably thought I'd play that song, Sweet Caroline. Why not? How many times have you heard that song? And they thought, oh, that song's for me, huh? <laughs> So tell me, Caroline, uh, you know, how excited were you to get ready for this season? And we're going to talk the other side, unfortunately, because it's the real part of uh, why we have this feature coming in here and bringing you girls and your, your, your guys on the other side doing their thing as well. But, you know, you girls worked hard. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I've seen this, and I've said this on multiple shows because we've had all of your lady, you know, teammates on this show with us, and, and nobody – and I hate to say this, I'm not four-mouthing any of the other, uh, other athletes on the campus of Somerville, but I felt like every time I was over there in the gym, you guys were walking out, you know, just getting done, working out about 5.30. And it started in August, and it stepped going until like the second week of March or whenever it was that Coach sent you home. Tell us about this coach and this strength and conditioning and how much you appreciated it. Or maybe you didn't, but I would assume you did. Oh, I was I was so looking forward to this season. I really think that this would have been – the season that we we went all the way when we, when we like won regionals or something something great but um as far as conditioning this is definitely the most intense like preseason workout regiment that we've ever had um and I think that really showed on the field and in practice like you can just tell that all of us are so fit and um coach Baggett really just bought, brought an aspect of um discipline that we didn't have before all right, Hannah, let me bring you in and ask you this question. We're going to try to go back and forth, so we're going to make sure you, you girls are heard, and, and we're going to get some stories out of you as well. Uh, I mentioned this. Uh, you girls have been playing soccer for a long time, and there's now club soccer that's been around a long time, probably since the day you all started playing. You were playing in, in the rec department, in the club department, any other department that you could join, I would imagine, because whatever it is, you girls like to run around for 90 minutes or 70 minutes. I don't know. It, it, it's the most uh, – Amazing thing. You guys do this stuff for fun. It's kind of like track and field, but with a ball. When you played that night, and you remember the coldest night in, in soccer, and I say that all the time on the show, was the Kane Bay game. How in the world 
I mean, you girls are out there in shorts and T-shirts, and your your socks are put up to your knees. But let's be honest, the socks aren't doing nothing for you. Uh, Hannah, what was that? What's it like? And what? How, how do you get through that cold stuff? And you just got to keep moving. Well, I would say definitely playing in the cold is not my favorite because you know we live in the south. But when you're on the field, it's kind of like you're not paying attention to the cold. You're playing the game. Your head is in the game. Um, you just try and, like, push the thought out that it, you're really cold and just try and keep your head in the game. And, I mean, obviously we have our Under Armour sleeves or whatever to keep us warm. And usually when you're running, you're not that cold. So it makes me bad for the parents in the stands, but for us, I promise it's not that bad. Well, I, I can tell you, I was one of those guys over there by our trainer, Coach Little, and it was it was definitely cold, and the hot chocolate wasn't hot enough, but I don't think it could have been that hot. It was one of the coldest nights I've, you know, and I went and watched the girls play softball over in, in their preseason tournament, which they won that one. So, uh, you know, you girls definitely show out in the cold weather. With that being said, Caroline, I'm going to come back to you and, and, and kind of give me the rundown. Who is Caroline Brown? How long have you played at Somerville? What's your history going through? And, and just kind of what position do you play as far as it goes for Somerville soccer? Um, well, I've played soccer since about sixth grade. I did um, rec soccer at the Y. And then I started playing at the high school in eighth grade um, on JV. And then eventually started playing varsity. And I also play, I play club soccer at GPS. Um, along with Hannah and a lot of the other girls at Somerville. But I play um, – I usually play wing or sometimes forward on the field, just one of the offensive positions. Now, Caroline, when you think about your days at Somerville and, and, and your time there in the hallway, what's the moment – let's start on the field and then tell me another moment in the hallway that you're going to remember because, you know, I, I know that the banner went up a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was last week when you girls went over and got your cap and gowns and you got your blanket, which I thought was great. And, you know, the, the, the teachers have been incredible. I've seen a lot of stuff. I get some stuff as well doing what I get to do with the radio with you guys. It, it's been quite fun. And then you got DJ Legree, man. He's always killing those vibes <laughs> and doing that stuff with the, uh, with the Internet. So we got to give him some love on the show. But, uh, you know, Caroline, when it comes to you, what's the memory on the field that you're going to close your eyes a year from now and say, God, you know, I, I remember that. And then give me a moment in the hallway with maybe a teacher or just an experience that you kind of define your moments in Somerville. I would say on the field, just the pregame, pregame huddles are definitely a ritual that I will never forget. Um, and then as far as, like, in the hallways, I would say, like, I just – I remember how I was on my, like, very first day of high school freshman year. Because um, my mom is a school nurse, and I was sitting in, like, her, her office, and I was just, like, so scared because I heard the bell ring, and I, like, had no idea what I was going to do. I felt very overwhelmed. Um, and just comparing that to how I felt, like, a month ago in the halls, I just, like, Somerville became home to me, and school became home, and, like, you just, you meet so many people, so many teachers that make such an impact on your life. Um, I would say that's probably what I will remember most, just the comparison between myself freshman year and senior year and no pressure by bob working at the second largest school in the state and probably most of your time <laughs> here at somerville was the third largest school in the state so yeah the hallways are packed jammed and, and and very crowded but uh yeah i would agree with you and i've been around since 2011 in those halls and it seems like you kids are just getting larger and larger not only by the height <laughs> but also by the numbers so uh, Hannah, let's go to you. Let's ask you that question what are you going to miss about your days at somerville in a moment that you would remember and then 
Let's get to the classrooms. Let's get to the hallways there with Mr. Farrell and that great staff that he's put together over there at Somerville. I think that I'm definitely going to miss soccer-wise, the ride home after we win a game, just walking off the field after we win. We're all happy. We're all excited. We all feel like we're on cloud nine. Um, Riding the bus, I mean, we're all close friends. We're all teammates. We're listening to music. Um, Coach Baggett started a tradition of going to (laughs) Chick-fil-A, and I think that's definitely going to be one of my favorite memories is of her yelling at the Chick-fil-A employees to get her another sweet tea. Um, And then in the hallways, I think High Five Fridays, just seeing all the teachers excited to see us, to see the teachers supporting us, encouraging us. It's always like a good morning when you walk in and all the teachers are excited. It just kind of pumps you up, too. So I think I'm going to miss that the most. I like it. So far, we've got the pregame huddle, which is, by the way, Coach Baggett, you know, we could get her in here. Who knows? Maybe she joins us in a few. But if she does join us, I'm going to find out what's in the book bag. That's number one for you. So because <laughs> you're the last two girls. So, I'm gonna, so we're, we're going unplugged here. We can ask anything, right? Because she doesn't have any more players to send me. So we're going to get in that book bag. Uh, you know, so we'll find out what's in there. And then this sweet tea. Do they have sweet tea in Canada? We'll find that out, too. So that's another question for her. But the High Five Fridays is a great thing, and, and the staff does that at Somerville. They do that across the state, if I'm not mistaken. But it's something they take a lot of uh, – they take very serious at Somerville because it adds a little bit more. And then they, I know they bring you guys airheads. If you don't skip or you haven't been late or if everybody's in the class, I know they come around and they do a lot of things like that. So it, it's cool because I'm going to tell you something. They didn't bring any airheads the days when I was in school back in the 90s. Man. That, was, <laughs> that didn't happen. You know, we, our, and our food was nowhere near as good. Like we got used to pizza days, and that was a square pizza. That's why they had that square tray with the little block there. That's where the pizza went. So uh, you guys get like Chick Fil A, and I mean it's crazy. It's like a it's like going to the mall when I go over there to eat lunch with some of you guys over there hanging out and getting to know you guys and talking to you guys on the radio. So uh, I will ask you this question, and, and let's go to you, Caroline. Uh, what's the plans for you? You going to college to play some soccer, or you getting into the world, the job world, or what, what's next for Carolyn Brown? Um, so I'm going to UNC Charlotte um, in the fall. I'm probably I'm not going to play soccer for college, but I'll probably play intramural. Um, I think I would just miss it too much if I totally quit. Um, I'm going to major in biology, um, probably going to medical school after my bachelor's degree. And then I'm probably going to minor in vocal performance because music is, music is one of my passions. And I would like to do that outside of school, but I don't really want to major in it because I would rather – do something um, medical-related. Wow. You just say, uh, I mean, you know, just medical-related. I don't want anything really serious. It's going to be a doctor and save lives. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well done. Okay, Hannah, so, so what's up? With, where, where are you going next? What's your next deal? Are you going to save the world, or we're going to be a lawyer? Where, where are we heading? What's next for you? <laughs> well, I will be attending Clemson in the fall. Um, I'm majoring, uh, majoring in elementary education, so I want to come back to Somerville, teach at the elementary school that I attended. Wow. Not super big, but hopefully I can change someone's life in Somerville. Um, I don't, I'm not playing soccer for the school, but I do plan to play intramural because I can't say goodbye to soccer just yet. Why would you? You girls have been doing this since the day you were walking and talking. I mean, and by the way, education is, is just as big to me as being a doctor. And trust me, there's not a mom and daddy in the world right now, right now in the world, 
that doesn't believe and love their teachers right now, your teachers, because we feel like these teachers have lied to us for so long. They said that you guys were so good, and we get you in the house, and you're not that good. You're just not. You don't get up on time. You're always late to class. You talk back all the time. I can't get you to finish what you started. I mean, it's just crazy. But nevertheless, we appreciate everything that you guys have done. And, uh, and, and, and in a very short couple of sentences, I want you guys to answer this because I have a special guest that's going to join us for about three or four minutes because we're up against the top of the hour. Um, Caroline, if you had something to leave for your uh, underclassmen that's going to be playing soccer next year, what would you tell them? And for your seniors that you're graduating with, what would you say? Um, I would just say to enjoy every moment, just cherish every memory, every game, every practice, because obviously through this season, it's very clear that you never know when something's going to get taken away from you. Um, just really, really, really enjoy where you're at. Don't try to grow up too fast. Um, and just try your best in every game, every practice, because you're going to miss it once it's over. No doubt about it. Hannah, how about you? You're standing at the podium. It's your senior banquet. You're getting that moment. We're giving it to you right now. And trust me, the support that you girls have, I don't doubt one bit that your grandmas, your, your aunts, your uncles, the entire soccer team, if Somerville's listening to you right now, what would you say to your uh, your teammates? Um, I would say pretty much the same thing that Caroline did, just to love your teammates, to fall back on them when you need it. You know that your teammates are always going to be there for you, to enjoy every moment. Don't take practice for granted because I know sometimes it's intense and you're tired, but don't take those little things for granted because one day you're going to be looking back and you wish you could be in that moment again. I would agree with you 110%. So because you girls have done such an amazing job, and I have the opportunity to reach out to a coach that I know pretty well. And, uh, of course, uh, without further ado, we bring in with you your head coach, Coach Baggett. What's up, Coach? <laughs> Not much. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, eh? Everything is good. This yeah. is your last. This is it, right? This is the last of your seniors. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. We got all six of them on. Well done. And I give you a big uh, social distancing hug from me to you and, and much love mm-hmm. back to you because uh, I wish I could just get everybody to do what you did. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to ask the question. I, already, I don't know if you were listening. I'm sure you were. What's in that book bag, Coach? We, we all want to know. The whole team <laughs> wants to know what's in that book bag. We do want to know. Yes. It's all my leftover Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Your judgment sweet I, tea I, that you I can carry back my, to Canada. I stashed my chick fil in that in that book bag. I love it. So the, the second yeah. question is: Do they have sweet tea in Canada? Because I hear that sweet tea is kind of a, a kind nah. of a running thing that they get to push on you. Nah? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, actually, actually, uh, Miss Miss Vicker got uh, that incorrect. I, uh, I I get them on my uh, diet coke. The, the the sweet the sweet tea is not for me. I'll leave the sweet tea to the southerners. Yeah. Well, we, we well we definitely and hey, here's a plug for Somerville. If you're listening, you're in Somerville. People may not know this, but sweet tea was actually invented right here in Somerville, South Carolina. I actually live like a block away from the tea farm. Okay, so that's that's a real thing, and we can claim that, right? We can claim to have the greatest football coach in America, right, Coach McKissick. We got the greatest soccer coach in America, ladies, right, Coach Baggett with her book bag and uh, her, her Diet Coke. And, uh, Coach, I'm going to say this to you on behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, me personally, because I have a very tight fit 
to the connection of Somerville being the voice of the Green Wave, that we appreciate it. Gene, Eugene uh, echoes this as well for all the effort and energy you gave us to get these girls in here and give them their moment, give them their time. And, uh, you know, we hope every coach is listening and will send us the players because that's – I will cancel every interview I have to get a senior in here to talk because uh, my heart goes out to these girls and guys because I played sports as you played sports. And we never had this epidemic, this, this, this craziness of a senior season ending. And, you know, they always tell us to play like it's our last game. And, you know, they had no idea. They had no idea that this was their last game. And so uh, I'll give you the platform for a couple of minutes to speak to your, your seniors and your juniors and your sophomores that I know better be working, ladies, because I'm telling you, come August, you're going to tell them yourself. If you go in that weight room and you're breathing hard, I don't want to be around you, Coach. Uh, talk to your team. Uh, yeah, just uh, uh, Caroline and Hannah, just, you know, I wanted to thank you all uh, on the air here for all your hard work and, uh, just the effort that you put in and, and just showing that um, you want to put it every day, come in the weight room, try to get stronger. Uh, even though you might not have liked it at first, it was fun and it kind of got us together, uh, got us working all together uh, before we even stepped on the field uh, there for season. Um, and then two is uh, Caroline, man, like singing. Yeah. You, you need to keep that singing going. Uh, I hope to hear you maybe on like American Idol or, the voice or, or some, some, somewhere down the road because you, you got incredible uh, singing uh, abilities. And so hopefully you continue that. I, you were saying about doing your minor, that, that'd be great to, to keep the music going. Um, and then uh, just overall, the, the, you know, the program, just trying to get everybody uh, continuing on kind of where we left off. And um, hopefully here, once things start kind of cooling down with, uh, the coronavirus and whatnot, we'll be able to get back together and, um, you know, maybe even do a little, uh, you know, cookout or something, kind of get the girls back together. And then uh, maybe, you know, once later in the summer, we can kind of get back to workouts. Um, you know, I've been kind of posting workouts here and there, started a little YouTube channel, uh, trying to like keep everybody um, motivated and, and, and wanting to work out and get touches on the ball. So, that we can improve uh, going into next season. And by the way, for you guys who may or may not know, these are the ladies who made kicking toilet paper cool. So they did it. I mean, I saw it <laughs> firsthand, and, and they kicked it from one end of Somerville to the other end of Somerville. It's on the Internet, so it's got to be true. And uh, I appreciate you, Coach Bag. I really do, and we're blessed to, to have you part of our show at Southern Sports Central. I've actually got to have you in the box with me on a Friday night to talk about these girls. So, uh, ladies, I'm going to open the floor to you girls when you come back home. And I say come back home because you will come back home. You will come to a Friday night football game, okay? It's still cool to come back. It's even cooler because I'm going to put you on the radio with me on ESPN on Friday night during halftime. You'll be one of my athletes that came back home because I have a lot of respect for you when you play for Somerville, but I have even more respect when you come back to your high school. And, uh, and that goes for any athletes. Always come back to where you come from. This is a town that raised you. You go be doctors and lawyers and teachers and go win American Idol. I got you. Go do the voice. I got you. Matter of fact, you can sing the national anthem with us. But I cannot tell you enough how much y'all mean to me, Eugene, sports, life, just in general. This is just a small thing, okay? And and you're right. You went to school, and you just happened to play sports while you were here. But you left a great, a great trailblazing mark behind you, ladies. And I want you to understand this, is that everybody at Somerville High School, I can speak on behalf of the athletics department, is really proud of you. I'm a part of that athletic department. And for Coach Rutherford 
and Coach Baggett and uh, Coach uh, – well, let's say Coach Farrell, right, because he's the coach. He's just a principal coach. But uh, that's the fact that uh, we're all proud of you ladies. And um, go out there and get that – go out and get that degree. Come back and, and show us, and uh, we'd love to get you back, ladies. But uh, God bless you. Enjoy the night, and we'll get you back in here hopefully one more time before you head to college. How about it? Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Coach, again, much love to you, and you're not going anywhere, all right? You're, you're, you're contracted in with me and you and, and Coach Eugene mm-hmm. Benson, and uh, we're going to do this, and Somerville's not letting you go either. We need some consistency on that soccer field. You bring that in a lot of exercising and some W's on the pass. So uh, enjoy your night. Tell the other Coach Baggett in the house that we said hello, and tell him Goose Creek's on the line. We're coming, so just get ready. All righty. Oh, love you, Coach Love you guys, too. Have a good night. Be Thank safe. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. How awesome was that, guys? You get that? I love you, man. Eugene, I'm going to bring you back, brother, man. Uh, how about it, man? I mean, great way to end the show. Uh, I want to thank all of the coaches that joined us. Coach Baggett comes in as a special, uh, you know, uh, guest. But she is an incredible coach in more ways than one. We've got about, about two minutes left. So I don't want to get too long-winded on this thing. But I will say this, is that between Reginald getting in here, which he's family now, but uh, Mark Myers, the athletic director at Oceanside, Coach Gates, he's the strength and conditioning coach. Jalen Hill is the head JV coach, and he's also on the staff on the varsity with Coach Call. And then Hannah and Caroline joining us from Somerville from the soccer program. And uh, I think the thing that sticks out to me is these kids all want to be teachers. Now, listen, if you're at Somerville High School and you're listening, and, and I know most of you teachers, that's what I'm talking about. You want to know how good you're doing? These kids want to be what you're doing, okay? That's, that's that little kid looking up the mom and dad type of thing, want to be what you, you are when I grow up. That's the story. All these kids, we've had over, I would say, 90% of these kids that have come on our show from different sports events, from baseball to softball to, to you name it, soccer to football, you, anything. Eugene, 90% of them want to be teachers, man. Go ahead. Yeah, that's really cool, but uh... – you know, listen to Coach Baggett, and then we had Coach Meyer on. You know, who'd have thunk we'd yeah. have had uh, two of the varsity ladies uh, soccer coaches on the same night? But uh, why not get a match going? Let's have them. Uh, let's link those two up and get a, a Somerville versus Oceanside uh, ladies soccer match going. You know, I know uh, they put some you know really top athletes out there from both schools, and both schools have played uh, some ladies at some really good colleges recently. So uh, heck, why not? Let's go. Let's set them up and uh, see if they can't get a match going because, uh, you know, like I said, they, they're both are wonderful coaches. You know, the kids buying the program and, and do wonderful things and, you know, reset next level. But, uh, hey, why not, man? Let's let's go cover a ladies' soccer match and support these athletes. Is it a match or is it a game? We don't have a lot of times, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think Matches it's a, you know, thing. Yeah, Chris usually uh, – Chris Haynes, uh, you know – the, the kid I coach, he was a kicker at Oceanside, but also was on the soccer team. You know, it's a match. Soccer is a right. match for from all oh. I've been told. But uh, you know, I don't so, know. Uh, I never got yeah. to play. I wasn't running yeah. for ninety minutes. I'm not if a bear. I, I, just, well, I say that and I run four miles, but there you go. Yeah, my my thing is, you know, I finally get it right that it's actually a field and not a pitch or something else. But uh, sure, right. you know, like I said, let, let's see if uh, we can get a, a soccer match going between the two schools. You know. Like I said, they feature some yep. great athletes. They're great coaches that that love their kids, and kids love them. So let's let them. Uh, let's see if we can link these guys up and see if they can ready to uh, you know play a match and and see how it goes. We'll see what we do, guys. We're up against the top of the hour. Coming gone, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Back live Thursday night, 6 o'clock. God bless. Take care. Coaches, players, all alike. We'll see you then. Let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because this is But back then I didn't really know what it was But now I see what happened is The way that people respond to summer madness The weather is hot and girls are dressing less And checking out the fellas to tell them who's best Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos Or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's Back in Philly we be out in the park A place called the Plateau is where everybody goes Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes she turn around to see what you beeping at. It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac. And with a pen and pad, I compose this rhyme to hit you and to get you equipped for the summertime. Yet, hustle to the mall to get me a short set. Yeah, I got on sneaks, but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends, as y'all reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kissed. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill can spark up nostalgia. All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applying the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness.